Welcome to the New Age Books and Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, we have a full team, the A-team, <coughs> Mr. Martin Theobald, Sup. and Mr. Terry Chapandama, aka Rat Poison, aka the Dog Whisperer. Yes, yeah, see that? Dog loves me. Man. You want to fucking side wrestle side submit dog? <laughs> side submit, you know, shouts out to Big Chuck McBride. <laughs> teaching us all how to control dogs. This, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I have a new puppy, so this is this is what this dog conversation Confusing is. Confusingly called to. bear. Yeah, yeah. Why is it not called dog? Like, like, look, we're in an era where mental health's a big deal, and you're just confusing the life out of that dog. Dog. So you're going to be watching dog. TV, watching Winnie the Pooh go bear. Dog's like nah. <laughs> He's going to have a lot of like issues growing up, I'm sure of it. He's not going to know what an actual bear is. How do have you know? some sort of like species identi- Fuck uh, do identity Fuck, you know? Crisis. He might be a super dog. <laughs> You're playing your dog down. I'm trying to big him up. <laughs> now, if he's that super, he'll be able to change his own name by Depot. Because he'll be able to... He might do. He might move out. Yeah. He might, he might get to three months ago. Nah. Want to come and live with you? Nah, nah. Sign, sign with Goodwin Boxing. I mean, you get about in two weeks. <laughs> oh, great. So, anything uh, exciting happened in either of your weekends? Uh, it's all very religious, isn't it? Recorded. Terry's fasting. Yeah, so there's not much you can do when you're fasting. And like, I mean, you've got all that time on your hands. You can't even Pornhub it. You're just there. Why just not? Pying. Yeah, why? No, you can't, man. Nothing can go in your body. You know, you're not meant to do anything to bring anything out. It should come out naturally. Well, it is natural. So, yeah. Very natural. <laughs> That's the most natural thing in the world. Reproduction. Well, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, when it ends up on your stomach. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Hold, holding, up a, holding up a tablet while watching Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The most natural thing. What they're do. doing is natural. Yeah. Or just or take it. two or take three. Let's <laughs> see <laughs> what's wrong with it. So um, I've been to Mecca today. Have you? That was How'd big. you do on the bingo? <laughs> no, the uh, the new White Hart Lane. What today you went there? Yeah, I went down there with uh, wife and kids today. Oh, okay. Guess who didn't even offer a lift up? You know what I mean? So <laughs> what on the train that I took? Well, why do we get on the same bloody train then? Because I got back about an hour and a half before you came. For a fair play. Yeah, could have delayed it. <laughs> we all gone back together. We could have all gone back together. I heard that it's a cashless stadium. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, they just broke. Don't <laughs> <laughs> talk about broke. Talk about being outside the top four, Terry. Listen. And Andy, I suppose while we're in. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> listen. It doesn't matter how you get to that Champions League. You can finish in the top. I mean, who, who cares? But you just get there any way you can. Just like getting to the final, right? Get there any way you can. Any way you can. Win yeah. games. That helps. Nah, not, not listen, well, 29th, we will win. Um, but yeah, and no, I've been down there because uh, just she wanted to go and visit it. And we're off to Madrid in a couple of weeks. Andy, how are you? Your season's kind of actually over, right? Yeah. Yeah, you've you, you got nothing to look forward to. As a United fan, 
it was somehow, somehow it was great to see City win the title. And then somehow it was great to see them win the FA Cup. And so you'll be cheering us on in Madrid? Yeah. It's pathetic. <laughs> I'm going to be over there. Growing when, up, growing up, as, like when I, when, as I grew up as a United fan, all I got thrown at me was, "Oh, you're a glory hunter." You're a gl-, especially towards like the middle, towards the end of my teenage years, United were doing really well. Glory hunter, glory hunter. Usually by me. And now people wouldn't even dare say that about a United fan, would they? <laughs> no, no. We almost don't even know you guys exist anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't suppose that would change. I saw you painting your shirts blue the other day. I'm thinking about becoming a Chelsea fan, mate, because my dad's always been a Chelsea fan. And, uh, <laughs> it's a joke. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was kept up a, a vast majority of last night because uh, an illegal rave was happening about two miles Has it stopped way. now? It has stopped now, but it only got stopped him. about four hours before you got three, three, two or three hours got before him. you got it. Fair. Pl- I wish you had told me I'd have come up for that. What, 12 hour shitty rave? Just yeah. <laughs> we, we used to organise those when we were young. I got, I got into trouble a couple of times for doing that. Yeah, but in the 90s, it, it seemed different. Like illegal raves, they, do they even happen anymore. Apparently they do. Yeah. I'd imagine on as long as you can get, golf course as long as you can get enough drugs, cider, hippies in one place, you can have an illegal rave. Well, the, the, so the problem you have with them Just normally Just no shower is, gel. That's one the, thing that's not actually, allowed. Actually, the big issue you have is normally not lighting. Allowed. So you could be drinking cider or piss. You wouldn't know unless you tasted it. So you know what we used to do them, you'd be you'd be in a field and there'd be one barn and there'd be one spotlight and that had to cover like fifteen hundred, two thousand. Which people. presumably, as long as you've whacked enough drugs down your system, it doesn't matter what you're drinking anyway. Pretty much. Yeah. Those weird moments. We've all you, had those nights. Yeah, you're just there. You're literally there, four AM in a field, just eight of you trying to roll someone's car. You're like, why are we even doing this? <laughs> why not? Uh, but I'm sure someone's going to tweet that Terry's a dick. That was a long time ago, just for the record. I get a lot of those tweets anyway, mate. Um, I know. <laughs> so, other than that, you've been you've been down to White Hart Lane. I have down to uh, just go and see it. I've already been there for a game, but the wife hadn't, so uh, she wanted to go and see it. And you've been fasting. Anything interesting to add to that? Not much. Just honestly, just training and fasting. I'm just it's very pious. How do you train whilst fasting? Because you said you're not allowed to drink water either. No. So, so yesterday was tough, and it got to about seven o'clock, and I was starting to cramp up just because I wasn't doing anything. So I just ended up going. You know, I'm just going to walk. It doesn't matter where I walk to. I'm just going to walk. I just walk and be distracted by stuff. And I just literally walked for like two hours, and then as soon as I could eat. Game over. What do you when it comes to um, sort of sunset or whatever? That I'm taking it. That's the point, is it? That's yeah. the point. Well, the, so there's a defined time. So I think today will be close to nine o'clock when when we make iftar. And at that point, what did you just you just stuff your face? <laughs> so you think that, right? You don't. What ends up happening is you're so dehydrated that you're going to do like a fucking like three liters of Rubicon or something. So there's no room for food. So now you now you're there like just really pissed off. Because like I can't fit anything else in, and you're just looking at food, still wanting to eat it, right? And so then, do you do you like get up before sunrise so you can eat? Nah. So I so I'll try and eat at nine now, and then I'll go at ten thirty, and I'll go at twelve. So by the time I go to bed, I'm about like four stone heavier. I'm like Canelo, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm just twenty pounds heavier after after <laughs> I've eaten. 
Okay. Interesting. I've, I've, I used to play badminton with a lad who used to fast. When I was at university, I played badminton um, to a reasonably good level. You're good at that. But there's a lot I don't of know why I thought you'd be able to though. hear that. Listen, I'd try to talk to you with a mouthful of coffee. But I Martin think I was said a, coffee there. Martin was a very good badminton player. The only reason I say was is because now his knees are both. Yeah, yeah. Like I can still play, but not to, to the same level. He still beat me, to be fair. <laughs> um, I used to play with a lad. He, was, um, he used to fast. And he would play singles. I only ever played doubles. But he was an incredible player. Like, But he was on court playing against other incredible players. And like I said to him once, like, what's the deal? Like, If you fucking pass out on the side or whatever, or on the court, what, what am I allowed to do? Am I allowed to go and get some water and pour it down you? Or like just splash yes. it over your face? No, no. So at that point, you can. I think it's... Oh, there's some exceptions, isn't there? It's like women on their periods, uh, like w- or, or just if women who are pregnant. Yeah, so like, yeah, but, if he'd have dehydrated himself to the point where he collapsed, he did say, I could put some water down his yeah. throat. But what I felt really bad, because like, as soon as the game was over, you'd just get in the minibus, plough off to McDonald's with a crate in the back. And, like, you're all just cracking beers open, <laughs> getting on it, smashing a McDonald's on the way home. Did you get salt with your McDonald's? Uh, it comes with it anyway, doesn't it? What's what's the significance? Okay. I've literally got no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you, why are you on about salt? Remember, the infamous Warrington. Oh, sorry. Ah. Right, I'm with you. The Radaby. The Radaby version. Yeah. So oh, why no. am I so stupid? That was clearly salt. Why does it not come up in my mind when you bring up salt? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> what else could it have been? Yeah. I always felt sorry stupid. for the lad. Um... Right, so I suppose you best talk about some boxing then. True to form, I haven't watched any. Oh no, that's not true. I did, I did watch send you through an in the Inue fight. Um, was that the highlights or was the actual whole fight? I'm not sure. I it's think it was a meaningful the, bit. I, I didn't watch yeah. it, but uh, sorry, I did watch the fight. I didn't watch the clip I sent you, but I got the gist of it very quickly. Right, the clip you sent me was very succinct, but I, it looked like it could have been one round. How long did it last? Two. It was a two round fight. Right, so I, I in fact only watched. The highlights of a two-round fight. Nice one. <laughs> I wanted to give a shout. There's a guy, Dan Atias, on Twitter. <laughs> who put this stat together. Inoue's last three opponents held a combined record of 68-3-1. None of them had ever been stopped before in a professional fight. All three lasted a combined four rounds. <laughs> do you think That's insane. Do you think he's constantly underestimated? Or do you think he's just... Well, I don't know. Uh, what do you think he's underestimated? He's... he's he, he, He's in the kiddie weights, isn't he? That's the problem he's got. If you look at if you look at Inoue, right, for the entertainment he brings and the savagery he brings, and it's really understated as well, he should probably be a lot more appreciated. But when you're that small, it's like, it's like you almost don't take it seriously, do you? And I, I know the hardcores will now start tweeting, go, what does Terry know? Cool. What, in, what you do know is that Child weights are not worth watching. So. Well, 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 so weirdly enough, they're, they're, they're babies as we've been hanging them in the. They're past. not worth watching, but if if it's there before the main event and you're watching, you're like, just just anyway, guys, he's, he's he's a little savage. He is an exception to the weight, and yeah. I want to watch him. Yeah. I don't typically want to watch bantam weights, super bantam weights. Like, they don't do a lot for me yeah, because you you're never living in in fear that you're going to miss something if you turn away, and that's what you kind of watch boxing for is that you want those moments when, you know, you, you want to be glued to your TV. Within you, where you get that. Yeah. And he's just... That's true. He, he's yeah. got that uh, thing when you're where... you're watching boxing with someone else and you don't want to take your eyes off because they go, 
wow, did you see that? And yeah, go, exactly. No, I was looking at the curtains. And I know you're going to get the replay in like a minute's time, but... Yeah, but it's not the same. Yeah, but uh, he's just... He's so fascinating to watch because he gets hit. Like, Rodriguez was catching him with a left hook last night, but he doesn't seem affected by it. And that power that he carries, that left... That, <laughs> that counter left that he hit Rodriguez with was just like... It was from... What six inches away? It was, that? it was just nothing. It was just so sharp. It was just like bing. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's weird. Like when you train guys, you try and explain to them. Like when people first start training, they're always trying to load up on the hooks because number one, yeah, it's a natural motion for your body, and it's a way to make the bag pop, right? And make, you know, but you you explain to people sometimes it's just literally popping your hip and turning that shot six inches, and the guy's asleep. And that's what Inoue showed. It was just literally, his weight was in the right place. He saw the opening, bang, did it. But that was the kind of shot that you throw on a heavy bag and you're like, yeah, that's fucking mint. But in a ring, like if you were sparring, if you're fighting, that shot doesn't come off. But for Inoue, he spotted that opportunity, threw it against a a world-class fighter. We saw what Rodriguez did with Terry Flanagan. He wiped him out. Like I'm not saying Terry Flanagan Flanagan is the greatest in the world. Flanagan? No, not Flanagan. Um, fuck, who did he do? Butler? Probably Butler. Butler. Um, a former world champion in his own right, but it was just impressive. Like, everything about it, the power, and you wonder how far he can take that power up. I don't know. Super Bantam, for sure. But whether he can go up through Feather? I think Feather would be the top, where you wouldn't... Because then the, the guys, you get like Santa Cruz, those guys were just big. But the guy's already like, he's won, what, four weight world titles? And I know there are only small weight differences, like three, four pound weight differences down there. So it's not the same as jumping from like welterweight to like middleweight, for instance. Um, but he skipped one weight division on the way. Nah, I'm not having that. Skip <laughs> over them. Um, but yeah, he's got Donaire in the final now. <sighs> He's going to monster Donaire. He's going to monster him. I feel sorry. Like Donaire seems like such a nice man. So it doesn't... There's, there seems almost... We've kind of skirted the fight to an extent. You gave some sort of detail, but is there much to tell about the story of the actual fight? Given I think most people rounds? would have seen it. Most yeah. people would have watched it by now, or at least watched the highlights like you have. Like, what can you talk about a two-minute round where the guy got floored three times? <laughs> Like, he beat the shit out of him. Yeah, he did get caught himself. As I said, that left hook from Rodriguez was catching. But he's... Inouye didn't seem phased by it, didn't seem affected by it. And you look at him and he looks like... He's got that Golovkin-esque, like, looks like a bookkeeper. And yet he'll beat the shit out of you. So I have that... I don't I don't know, so forgive me if you answered it on the uh, messages earlier, but the question I had was, I was under the impression that once you get knocked down three times in a round, it's a TKO? No. it's not. That's not the case? No. So in most title fights, there's no three knockdown rule. The referee has the discretion to stop the fight at any time he deems the fighter to be in no position to to. But there's no hard and fast this amount. You can have it. If you want to, you could probably have it. But it's. I think that was more in the old days where you had the three you knockdowns. Don't, you don't get it in world title fights. Right. But... In a non-title fight, say you've got a prospect versus a journeyman or whatever, 
if someone's been knocked down three times in one round, the referee will typically stop it anyway because it's become non-competitive. It's become a danger to the person who's been down. In a world title fight, Rodriguez was still getting up. Yeah. And so you have to give him that opportunity. And then eventually when he's seen enough, the referee jumps in when he's not able to protect himself. Um, but yeah, it was just... He's, he's brilliant to watch. Just brilliant. And as I said, I wouldn't normally get excited or interested really within those weight divisions, but he's he's something else. And, and what what he's done, which I like, is he's just told us whatever whatever promoters tell us about their little guys now, we know where the bar is for a small guy boxing. So all these guys like Burnett, Haskins, Butler, we now know that they're an inferior breed compared to where where it should be at. And you know, because if you remember, like go back to like 115 pounds and we're hearing about uh Calify this, Charlie Edward. Listen, Inoue could come down to 115, wipe them all out in a night, go back up to 118, wipe everyone out there too. That's 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 where he is. It's it's frightening. And you almost wonder where does this guy come from? And uh, no no hard course. This isn't a question about have you not seen all of his fights? It's more where has he come from? Like, how old was he when he first walked into a gym and who the hell trained him? So I have a question. You said anyway he's working his way up. Which, bo- which box boxer comes to mind if you think about which boxer has started at the lowest... What, Duran, which boxer Pacquiao. spanned the most weight divisions? Duran. Successfully. Duran, yeah. yeah. From 119 on his debut to fighting at super middleweight towards the end of his career. Roy Jones, middleweight to heavyweight. There were a few like Pacquiao. I fuck knows how many Pacquiao's done, but what six, seven weight divisions, yeah. something like that. He said he's going to finish at heavyweight, didn't he? Well, Pacquiao. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah. He said he's going to get his knees right? done, so he's six foot eight, and he's just going to get an extra set of knees and legs put in. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so he just, so just he, re- really long legs. He'd have to grow a Pacquiao on top of himself. <laughs> yeah, that's what I understood is going to be the case. It's really long legs and a short body. Experimental, <laughs> really experimental. Like an inverted giraffe. <laughs> Um, okay, so that kind of ties up uh, the Inoue Rodriguez fight, and you say in the final, in your, you, do we know where the in... final is? No, I don't think they say where it. or when. Where they've, they've got to just do it in Britain. I don't know why they pretend that there are all these other locations that are more lucrative. Just do honestly. Have one evening, pay per view the life out of it, which Sky love to do anyway. Get just get Inoue Donaire and get Taylor Progre. In the UK, I reckon you'll do a stadium with that. I think it's probably more the... Where was it Grove Smith was? Riyadh. Riyadh. Or like, Jeddah. They, yeah, Jeddah, that was it. Jeddah, whoever's out there must have paid an incredible amount of money to get that fight over there. They must have. There's no other feasible reason why you would do it there. Or, or, someone just, or, or maybe someone just went, well, we'll offer a fiver more than London can offer. No, I think no. they're not stupid people running this. Because I don't think it made good money overall. I'm sure. The tournament probably didn't because the, the yeah. pot of gold at the end of it was so substantial yeah. that to pay people out, mm. which I said Jeddah must have paid a ridiculous amount. I don't believe the tournament yeah. probably made a, a profit, but especially when they screwed up the TV deals. Like the first series didn't have one in America. This series hasn't had one in the UK until now. Like, how can you screw that up so much? And I realise they must put a premium on the product that 
stops you from being able to sell it on the cheap. And, you know, it's worth more by not selling it than selling it on the and cheap. I think they just got lucky. Sky went, all these Hearn cards is shit. Let's just go and buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's credible. We already know it's credible. Off the shelf product. Yeah. We know what fights we're getting. Yeah. Just do that. But now I hope they don't screw around with the finals like they did the other time. Yeah, do you think it harms the credibility? when they start putting it in random locations that look like they're just cynical money-making exercises. No, I think the fights are legitimate enough to not hurt the credibility. I know what you mean. So then, the, I, I, I think for why? the fans, though. If I was a fan, I'm like, that's not accessible for me. But I still watch Frog, uh, Frog Groves? Grove Smith, irrespective yeah. of the fact that it was on in Jeddah. So then why does it matter where they put it on then? Yeah, it, well, okay, so let, let's, say they, let's say it's a double header for the final, right? Of all the listeners here, how many people would make an We would make an event of it. Do you see what I mean? Let's say they did it at... Uh, I need said Main Road there. Let's say they do it at the Etihad Stadium, right? And they go, right, we can film it. It's almost it. like being in Jeddah. It's <laughs> 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 as close as you can get. Scarily no. close. <laughs> but, but you know, if, if they did it there, we're like, right. Yeah, all day long. We're, we're going. There's no question about that. We're going... Wembley. Yeah, and it will be a memory. You'd be like, I remember that. I, you know... I don't think you're going to get the same thing in Jeddah. So I don't think there are loads of people in but, 10 years' time who are going to go, I remember being in but Jeddah. But do I think that the, was it Cosmos that yeah, own? Comosa, yeah. Comosa that own the World Boxing Super Series, would they be more bothered about what their bottom line profits are or how many memories they made for boxing fans? But there's enough money here for, I think, for. for but it depends. We don't know what Jeddah paid for it last time out. We've no idea. But. It must have been a big amount to take two Brits away from Britain, away from the pay-per-view market of Britain, yeah. and shove it in some random location. And there must for George been... to buy a Rolls-Royce Wraith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there must have been some money chucked at that. Yeah. But, yeah, I do I hope they do it over here. Yeah, it, it, America's not going to connect with it the way we are. No. There's no Americans in it. Uh, Progre. Actually, Progre, sorry. And Donair, kind of. Well, he's from uh, California. Well, he's almost from fucking Belfast now, isn't he? <laughs> I love Donair. Do you see him? He was over that MTK show yeah. Friday. He went to Frampton's old gym. Um, went and did some stuff with Frampton there. Then came over for the Donair fight over in Glasgow. And was like, he's just, he's all smiles. He gets in the ring afterwards. You're like, oh, bless you. You're going to get the shit punched out of you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't really want to see it. Okay, then let's move on to Taylor Baranchik. That's a sigh of that's a sigh of excitement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of of tension, of let me know what happened because I can't wait. Given your facial reaction, looks like you're about to discuss verses from the Bible or something. No, not at all. It was a brilliant fight. Oh, was it? It was a phenomenal fight. Oh, okay. So that was like an exasperated sigh. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you were watching it, that Inoue performance was so good that you were like, Taylor's got a job to match that now. And you kind of felt a little bit like, whoo, after watching Inoue. But Taylor Baranchich, it was like, I think we've said it before about Taylor, that his building of his career, despite the fact he's only had 14 fights. Yeah. Like those 14 fights are so significant in their growth of each one that credit to Cyclone Promotions for doing the building element. I know the last two have been World Boxing Super Series, so it's out of their control. But when you look at the different challenges, you go back to the Dave Ryan fight for, for Josh Taylor. I think that's when he went on most people's radar. And how he's been built since then. It's been great. What I like about this World Boxing Super Series is the fact that 
that was his first world title fight, Josh Taylor, and he's now a world champion. That's almost an irrelevance. The importance is that he's into the World Boxing Super Series final. His IBF title that he won with it doesn't really matter too much as a result of it. I think that's what this World Boxing Super Series has done, is remove the significance. Once it all goes apart and after the final, then the belts become significant again. But for the, for the meantime, you can put that on ice and actually focus on the narrative of the tournament rather than, oh, he's got a belt and he's got a belt. Are they ever yeah. going to fight? Yeah, like, nah, yeah, fuck yeah. it. They've signed a bit of paper. They are going to fight. Yeah. Brilliant. That wouldn't happen, mate. If two blokes had fight of belts and they, they'd want to find out who was the best, they wouldn't dance around. Of course they would. Of course they would. <clears throat> um, but Josh Taylor, it was Baranchich. You have to give Baranchich's credit. He was good. Josh Taylor was better. It's just lovely to watch Josh Taylor. He does everything very well. You've been, you've been waxing lyrical about him for a long time now. I mean, as far back as I can remember on the podcast, you've been talking about... About 1992, I started talking about uh, Yeah, I think, I think it was... Yeah, a... yeah, yeah, big time. Big time. <laughs> yeah, just, just after we met Terry and he said, is that the same thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. It was what, the first any other business section of 1992, January, I think. January, was it February? <laughs> yeah, I think so. But yeah, just everything that he does, he does well. He started off kind of on the back foot. You've got Brancic, who's this stubborn, stocky, like, hard nut, basically, that, like, will work very, very hard, throws lots of punches, throws some, like... It's quite... He's methodical, yet a little bit wild. There is some up about halfway through the fight, after he'd been dropped twice in one round. He comes back... And he starts going back into Taylor. And he throws these body hooks. that Like the same kind of shots you would just throw on a heavy bag. Like wallop, 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 wallop. None of them really had any effect. But they were quick. They were powerful. There probably wasn't a great amount of thought process behind any of it. And Taylor kind of covered up and took them well. But Taylor's got lovely movement. He got cut early on. Uh, and I thought that could have caused a problem. Then you realise Barancic was also cut over the eye. Um, the way Taylor dropped him that was one of those things where you were saying earlier about like you don't want to miss something because there was no sign that he was going to drop Baranchich and just boom catches him coming in drops him lovely to watch <laughs> and then drops him again same round and you're like oh Baranchich looks fuck now and he gets this corner at the end you're like I'm not sure he's he's not going to make you didn't think he'd make it out of the round but he gets through the round then comes back like he's recharged in that one minute Interval. Oh, it's, it's great. Energised. It has made you. Terry, did you see it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh. I even, it was all right, is how I, this is the conclusion I draw from all of that. A Southpaw against an Orthodox fight shouldn't be that hard. I think Josh made it harder for himself by fighting for the crowd. So actually giving the crowd what they wanted. And you could see about a quarter of the way in, they've realised actually this Barantich guy's not going anywhere. And then Shane had to pull the reins in and go, listen, I need you to go to the body because the headshots weren't affecting him, but the body shots were. And you know, you're watching that and I, can't, I don't know Josh, but I kind of know Josh. And I still wonder how on earth he makes 140 because when you see him out of camp, the guy's he's about probably your size, Andy. You know what I mean? He's he's a he's a big human Giant. being that boils down to 140. He is men. about your size. Yeah. And and, <clears throat> and so you wonder 
actually, A, is it sustainable for him to be at 140? I imagine after this, he'll move up. You know, it makes sense economically as well. But I'd like to see Josh sometimes do what he did against O'Hara Davis, if you remember. Like, against O'Hara Davis, he took no risks for the first three rounds and he just peppered him, broke him down, hurt him a bit. And then there was a point when he was like, okay, I've figured all of this out. I know what to do. And just stuck it on him. And I think if he'd done that with Baranches, you'd have dropped him sooner. Well, I sound like another. I should really say that I enjoyed the. I kind of enjoyed the fight, but I'd like to see Josh be a bit cleaner because I don't think you can do that against Progre. I think against Progre, who's a southpaw as well, and brings probably a little more punching power than Baranches. I think you've got to be a bit more mobile, and you're going to have to pick him off, and you're going to have to, you know, break him down before you can have that war. But look, you know, I think Craig Scott was summing it up fantastically over the, the course of the week when he was just saying, look, we've had Josh Taylor become a world champion. We've got to see Inoue here. What what a, what a halcyon night for, for Glasgow boxing. And it's, you know, if you went up there, I'm sure you had a hell of a week, hell of a weekend. Uh, you know, in terms of Josh, good luck in the final, man, because I think he's a shoo-in to win it. Do you? Yeah. I think Progre beats him. I think, and the reason I put that out is, I don't believe for a second the McGuigans don't already have the plan. I imagine they know Progre's national insurance number, <laughs> all of the things. They, they know all they need to know about him and the plan, they, they'll just work to a plan with him. And with Progre, I think with all of these big guys, the thing that messes them up is movement. If you give them a static target, it's a long, painful night for you. If you give them a dynamic target and you actually revert back to those skills you build up as you come up the levels, then, you know, you build up the rounds. And I think the key thing is in rugby, there's this expression, keep the scoreboard ticking over. Win round one, win round two, win round three, have progress a bit desperate, then start to engage in the war games. Uh, anything else to say on Taylor Baranchett? No, but again, like going back to what we're saying of, and Terry's absolutely right about like what a night for Glasgow boxing, for Scottish boxing to have that card last night is phenomenal. Um, and I saw someone on Twitter whinging about the fact that they didn't have more undercard fights on TV and it only started at nine o'clock. Like, that's the perfect card to shove on. At nine o'clock, give us a world-class fight. And at 10 o'clock, give us a world-class fight. And turn it all off at 11. I don't need anything more than that. I don't need to see an undercard of, of fights Parker that I don't care about. People. Johnny Green Pants versus Barry Redbeard. Yeah, <laughs> if you give me two world-class fights over two hours, brilliant. I'm all up for yeah. that. No, because look, it annoyed me that Sky just used it for a chance to put their flotsam and jetsam on there and just go, all, right, all these guys, just whack them on there. Yeah, there are guys, can you just get them on? And you're like... Oh, I don't even know who was on there. I, I, I did uh, see it and I knew it wasn't so, worth... So Zach Parker, Martin J. Ward, I think that John Doherty was on as well. Not not guys that... Ex- I want to see those guys on next-gen cards, absolutely. But on a World Boxing Super Series, I want to see fights that have real meaning. Yeah, but I'm okay with not seeing them. Yeah. I'm absolutely fine with it. Like, that, let them fight on the undercard and then start the TV at nine. Cool, no problem with that. But it was great having... In UA and Progre in the house for the fights last night, and you see clips of Progre like standing up and just like beckoning on the crowd and and giving it large. You think brilliant because you can enjoy what you've got in front of you of the boxing, and then you can get the face to faces for the next like the finals, 
I just it's such a great concept. But not what, one one thing I did feel is it feels a bit tired now. So I remember the first time, like last year when they did it, all the lights and stuff, the gladiator stuff was awesome. It was like, yeah. Step into the light. And then this year I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they yeah, should have right. <laughs> jiggled it a bit. Yeah. I'm not saying get rid of all of that because the lights still look great. Yeah. The podiums I'm not a massive fan of. But look, it's still better than anything else out there. Yeah. But given that it came with such a wow factor, is that it's almost a shame that season two is just the same. Yeah. Yeah, you want to sort of keep improving on it or keep building on it or something. Um, <clears throat> okay, Saunders versus Izufi. Izufi? Izufi? Izufi. I doubt even his mum knows. Does like, it matter? <coughs> Germany's sixth best super middleweight. Wow! Wow, that's almost as enticing as... Tom Schwartz versus Tyson Fury. So let's start with, for me on this, the WBO need absolutely like fucking chastising for this because they've sanctioned. How bad did this Saunders lose anyway? <laughs> <laughs> they've sanctioned a fight for their world title, their super middleweight world title, with Isufi, who holds the WBO. I don't know, fucking crystal ball belt. Yeah, well, well it's almost it is irrelevant. And has defended it a few times, so therefore must be within the top five of the WBO's rankings. Despite the fact, like, independently, I know box rec isn't exactly reliable for everything, but <clears throat> it's a good benchmark. You know, he's he's ranked sixth best German as a super middleweight. Against Billy Joe Saunders, who's never fought at the weight before. So how have you got those two in a world title fight? And um, the WBO have the rule that, like, if you vacate your title one way and move up, then you become mandatory. Like Usyk can become mandatory to Joshua's heavyweight title because he vacated the cruiserweights. Billy Joe Saunders hasn't vacated any title. He got he vacated the WBO. He vacated it. He wasn't stripped. He was vac- he vacated, and that's why. Uh, but that's, <laughs> what, that, that's why Andre was able to fight the guy from Botswana. You know what I mean? So the WBO have form for this. Remember, he fought. The yeah, guy who from did Botswana. he fight? Shit. Yeah, I know you mean. Um, yeah. but Did he vacate okay, before he, he was he, stripped then? Well, no, no. So remember, he failed the test. <laughs> yeah. But he kind of sat on the belt for a bit. And then they were like, actually, Joe, I think if you vacate, it's better for you than if you get stripped. So he vacated the belt. Just an <laughs> absolute load of bollocks. It's... But wait, hold on. But I swear Fury vacated his WBO title as well. To move up to super heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did. You're right. He got stripped of one. That's right. The yeah, yeah. IBF, maybe. Yeah. And then he, he vacated the it. rest. Because he said he was going to dump it in a skip, didn't he? <laughs> like, or he said he was going to imitate... Riddick Bowe. Riddick <clears throat> Bowe. When he, he said, I'll, I'll just dump it. No, he did get stripped of the... I'm sure it was IBF. a WBO. Um, but yeah, like this fight... Like, the WBO need naming and shaming for doing that as a world title. And actually... The, and I know it might get them out of some issues of like, I don't know if, uh, I mean, I think Saunders' issue is more with the Athletic Commission in America that failed the test for him or whatever it is, but maybe it got them out of a hole. I don't know, but it makes your world title look shit. But, but, it makes but, your world title. But who are the options though? Because oh, let, let, let's, let's just accept that as soon as the belt's vacant, as soon as Billy Joe says, I'm 168, they go, right. So you're going to have to fight for it. Who else could he have fought? I don't know what the rankings were, but who else could he have fought who was available? I might Google the WBO rankings. 
So how did the... Um, so first of all, how long did the fight last? 12, 12 rounds. Rounds. Of right. which uh, that is that Saunders has got form for this though. Of <laughs> which, like the, I felt sorry for the commentators. Like Barry Jones was almost embarrassed to be commentating on it at times, saying that it looked like a sparring session. Well, why does he refuse to try and knock somebody out, Saunders? I just think he can. I think he's one of these guys who will outclass you, right? And he'll hurt you. I, I don't doubt for a second the punch is hurt, but yeah. there isn't that that next level of yeah. pop in the shots. We've uh, seen him do it before. We seen him, I remember going and watching him against Andy Lee. He floored Andy Lee twice, and it was almost like, right, I know I can see the rest of this fight out, so I'm going to. And it was just painful in the end, because Andy Lee was kind of reluctant to throw anything because he'd been put on his ass twice, and Saunders wasn't prepared to step out of his comfort but, zone. And I also don't think Billy Joe was sharp enough. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in momentum when it comes to boxing. Like I think you've just got to fight regularly and get a flow, and then these it gets easier to take people out. But if you look at Billy Joe, his career's just stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Yeah. All of his own making, for the record. you know, And... That's been a theme of his, his whole career. So if you remember, he was the guy that got pinged in Beijing for harassing some French athletes or something. You know? And even before that, he was in trouble. Wasn't there an issue with him and Frankie Gavin and he carried the can for it somewhat? uh, I'm sure there was. Like, Gavin was able to carry on with the GB setup and Saunders kind of took the blame for whatever the, the issue was. A, so there was, there was a few in that rogues gallery. I think Stephen Simmons got pinged for something as well. So there's, 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 there's form. There was a lot of boozing in that squad. And that's why Terry Edwards had to leave after 2008, even though it had been quite a successful Olympics. But he had to leave because there was no discipline. And that's why they got McCracken in, because McCracken was more of a disciplinarian. And, they, and if you notice in GB now, they'll throw you out if you're not their kind of guy. He just has like, just looking at uh, his box rate, he's got 13 knockouts, Billy Joe Saunders, and almost entirely weighted or bar one towards the beginning of his career. I, I don't have an issue with him not knocking the guy out if he'd have put his foot down. Like... That's what I mean. He tends to just... I mean, I didn't watch this fight in particular, but in the past, <laughs> the ones that I have watched, it's like he just slips back into, into cruise control. It was absolutely cruise control, and he was still... You're doing the showboating. He did that thing that he did against Lemieux where he looks for the punch in the crowd after it misses. Fine, do that if you need to do that. But at least do it when you've got the authority in the fight of like actually putting the lad in peril. And of course, Billy Joe Saunders, I think he probably won 11 rounds to one. It was that kind of fight. And yet at no point did you think he might get this Sufi out of there. <laughs> and he just never... Never looked to take him out of the... And you can't give me the answer that he was going through the rounds because he's been out of the ring for a while. It's a world title fight. It's a world title and fight. he's been look, out of the ring for a while because no, of his own making as well, as much uh, as anything else. Because even before the drugs thing, what did he do? He was just sitting on doing nothing. Look, here's my thing, right? I think everyone needs to start getting real with Billy Joe. And you need to say, look, mate, all right? Next two years, these are the only people we're going to allow you to fight. And then those names have to be Canelo, Golovkin, Smith. Nah, if you're no, saying up. not that interested in Smith because he doesn't bring anything. Like he, he hasn't got a legacy. I, for me, I want to see if Billy Joe is of the caliber of a Canelo and a Golovkin. Smith can come afterwards. Because if you remember, like 
we, when we were close to that Billy Joe Canelo thing, we're like, finally, we yeah. get to see where his level. I want to see where his level is, and then we can shuffle down and fight. But given those two are both on the zone, and Billy Joe will likely end up with, you know, following the Frampton well, Fury route, have ended up with top rank oh. and on ESPN. Are we going to see those fights? I'm not convinced. I I, I like well, the fact that uh, like Billy Joe is older than Canelo, which means that he can't wait him Joe? out. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. Is he? Started young. Hell. But how long has he got left? Because I know heavyweights have got a longer lifespan. Well, he's not taken any damage really. He's, like what middleweight? But he's put his yeah. body through hell. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Did you see the video? Like he had his son doing donuts in his Ferrari. No, I didn't see that. Like, like it's strangely comic to watch, but he's just got his little lad. Is that the one who booted Willie Monroe? Yeah, and I swear the lad can't see over this thing, right? And he's just driving on instinct, like like a sixth <laughs> sense. <laughs> so the kid's driving the Ferrari. Yeah, like right. really thrashing the life out of this Ferrari to the moment you wouldn't buy it after. He's like, what? A Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, how old's the kid? He must be nine or ten now. Just nice. doing donuts in a Ferrari in a <laughs> nice. field. It's insane. But yeah, like I, I have no interest in Billy Joe Saunders. If I'm perfectly honest, I have no interest in him. And he's been unlucky with the politics of boxing because I'm sure he's wanted the Canelo fight, the Golovkin fight. I'm sure he has. But they've never come off. And so what's his actual best win to date? David Lemieux? Andy Lee. Chris Eubank? <sighs> No, Andy Lee, because Andy Lee was genuine class. Like a- yeah. Andy Lee was a guy but where he got him on the decline. What did Andy yeah. Lee do after that? Well, well, is I... that is that down to Billy Joe though? But I remember no, because he... he didn't give him a savage beating. But, but I some, no, but... Andy Lee fight. Yeah. There was a lot of people thinking Andy Lee would win. Yes, yes. Uh, no. Okay, that was a good win. That was a good win. That's his best win. The David but... Lemieux one. No, I'm not really no. sold on. And that's no. what I mean. Like Billy Joe's got to have that thing now. Where if I was Billy Joe, I'd just go to Bob Arum and go, "Look, look at me as an asset that you've got to just drain every drop of value out of." And then Bob will just go, "Right, we'll just get you back in with the WBO. Take the belt off Andre. That's another belt off the zone. Then we'll get you to fight Canelo. I'll do a deal with Skipper. I mean, because they don't want to deal with Hearn, but they'll deal with Skipper. We'll do a deal with Skipper for Canelo. We'll make we'll all we'll all eat off that." Because that's the fight for me at middleweight. It's not Billy Joe Golovkin. It's Billy Joe v Canelo. I'd still take Golovkin. Like if they said we can't make Canelo now, we'll give you Golovkin. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. You take it over but, and fighting but, but, some other bar. Yeah, no, no, the number six <laughs> in the WBO. What, what I won't have though, I will not have him fighting a fucking Zach Parker, and then trying to tell me that. Well, no, 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 no. Or Lerone Richards. And that's nothing against Lerone Richards, but Lerone Richards isn't at that level that we can take it seriously as a world title fight. But he'll be in the WBO top 15 now after winning their one of their continental titles yeah. or whatever against Tommy Langford. I want to see Lerone Richards in those fights in three, four, five years' time, maybe, once he's kind of established himself. But yeah, Zach Parker, Lerone Richards, they're the kind of names that feasibly could be rolled out. They were talking about Tommy Langford before, weren't they? When he was a middleweight and Langford Jesus. owned one of those belts. Like that's the kind of risk Stop. that that we'll fall Stop. back into. Stop. You know, this is the thing. Like this is what this is why I, I don't watch shit anymore, man. Like I didn't even watch Canelo Jacobs. You know, I just I'm just I'm just had enough. I've had enough of all of this. Where people try and tell me like they try to tell me Jacobs is world class. Jacobs is not. Jacobs is Jacobs is as manufactured 
as fucking margarine. Do you know what I mean? He's... He's and that's like, why he's not, because there will be people out there saying Terry's lost the plot. Jacobs is world class. When he got iced against Pirog, that was his level. And it's not even like Pirog was a boxing god. And then they just manufactured him by having him in these... What's, what's Danny Jacobs' best win? Quillen? What did Quillen do before? Quillen did nothing. So when Quillen, he went close with Golovkin? Nah, look, Golovkin on that... On, on the slide. And even then, man, he was just there, wasn't he? Just a, just a big, overweight, middleweight, just taking shots. But then he went close with Canelo. It wasn't... The, the problem with it was, I'm, I'm with you, by the way. I'm with you. Yeah. But I'm just playing devil's advocate to it. I had no... in. That wasn't a fight I was going to get up for whatever hour of the morning. No. I was happy to catch it the next morning no. at some point. And, but I already kind of knew what the outcome was going to be before the fight. A Canelo points win. Yeah. And once Canelo got far enough ahead, I imagine he just went, eh, I'm done now. Let me not risk injury here. And then, look, take Jacobs. Martin Murray at his best beats Danny Jacobs in my eyes. Matt Macklin gives him trouble. Darren Barker gives him trouble. Andy Lee at middleweight could actually beat Danny Jacobs. So that's Danny Jacobs' level with those guys. He's not at a Golovkin Canelo level, man. Let's not pretend otherwise. And and we need to start sifting these guys out. These these guys that the the Twitterati try and tell you are any good. They're not any good. And they don't I mean, these are not fights that determine anything. Which brings me to this question. Why is it that Hearn fighters never hang on to belts? Like, if you notice, like, Hearn will get you, like, he'll sneak you into a title shot, right? You win it. There's a big Sky Sports celebration. Johnny Nelson, you know, does this thing. Carl Froch says, you're not as good as me. George, George <laughs> Groves gets into the psychology of it. And then they have one defense. Well, actually, it depends what the sequence is. If it's a voluntary, then mandatory. They lose it after two fights. If it's a mandatory straight after, they lose it after one. Shout out to Callum Smith for holding on to his for 12 months nearly. Hasn't fought for it, but... Yeah, <laughs> he's hung... But, <laughs> but okay, they whack him in with Canelo, he loses his belt. Like, then you're like, what? Because how long did Rocky Fielding have his belt for? About a week. Yeah. Surely. Long enough to be like, a legend. So when people... Long slap... enough for a stag do over in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> was it New York or Vegas? I can't we, remember. But look... The one way hand delivered it. We, 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 we slag off Frank Warren, but... If I had a belt, I'd trust Frank to keep it. Look how long Billy Joe kept that belt for. But then there were no meaningful fights within that period of time. Well, for Billy Joe? Yeah. But that's my point. It's, it's all well and good holding it, but yeah. why yeah. hold it against people that I don't Andy care? And Joshua's held his. But, but <laughs> Joshua, fair enough. Yeah. But look at her. Who is he for? Look, uh, every, every, he's fought like five of the top ten, to be fair to him. You can't. You can't slate Joshua <laughs> that much for it. And he's Don't get me wrong, he hasn't fought the ones that we want. Yeah, he's just like, whether we like it or not, Joshua's up there in terms of like the, his skill set compared, compared to everyone yeah. else. But so, it's, I, it's like, it's like uh, Spain that win the World Cup and they're, well, we did play Portugal, we were Mate, all right. But I think Hearn doesn't have the fight the talented fighters to be able to hold on to those belts for too long. Look at Kell Brook. Kell Brook's a prime example of what you're talking about. Apart from he did hold it for quite a while. But what were those defences? Jojo Dan, Kevin Bizier. And then he comes up against someone that is world-class in Errol Spence and gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, it's this momentum thing. And, and so 
this is my issue with where we're at in boxing, right? You look at how the Americans do it and we go, ah, oh, so-and-so is for all these people we don't know about. But when you talk to American boxers like who, who do the circuit, so they're, they're William Warburton's, they're Christian Lates. When yeah. you talk to those guys and they'll tell you, listen, that guy, if he went over to England, would, would whoop most people. But we just don't know who that guy is. But they build their fighters so well that when they win a belt, they can hold it for three or four defenses. You know, it was interesting. We talked to Buddy McGirt yesterday, and I know we're going to come on to this later, but he didn't fight for a world title. It's like his 30-something fight. And that's how you build fighters. You get them that in-ring experience. And if you look at Matchroom's model, it's literally just, I think in finance, they call it pump and dump. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> that's why I didn't say anything. I thought I'd just let you. <laughs> Look, so you, yeah, you just inflate these guys. You know, you get Hearn on IFL, bluster, 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 bluster. He's mandatory now. He's got to fight. Bluster, bluster, bluster. Wins the belt, right? He's got a defense. Bluster, 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 bluster. Bang, out. Yeah, we'll go again. Literally, that's the that's the matchroom motto. If we just keep churning these belts quickly enough, this is how we but get our pay per view. Isn't this indicative of the quality of boxing as a whole? Because I don't remember any of the. I don't. I can't bring to many boxers to mind that either of you, or frankly, most of the boxing fraternity on say. Twitter because I'm not exactly connected to many places they've gone this guy is the truth this guy is the real deal and then he's gone on to lose most of them are like he's okay but he's going to come up against someone who can actually box at some point but what they've got what they've got is they've got Eddie Hearn to build their characters up more so than their skill actually is but you look through what the truth is in each division over the last five years cruiserweight Usyk like heavyweight Ward Kovalev, super middleweight <sighs> Ward again, Frotch, middleweight Canelo Golovkin. These aren't matchroom fighters. Matchroom have got the B level. Aside from Frotch, out it, of all yeah. those, is that they haven't got, and maybe we as Britain haven't got that top level elite fighters. Joshua, yes. You know, you can make the argument that he's one of maybe three of arguably the best in his division. The rest, Frotch is the only one that springs so, so to mind. My, the, my, my thoughts would therefore be that the fact they've even got a world title in the first place, really, if you look at it, is, is, is an achievement as much for Eddie Hearn to have got them in that position in the first ew. place. No, no, fuck no. <laughs> and this is the whole thing we've got to fight against. The world title should go to the most deserving person. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm he's saying is that Hearn is the one that's done the hard work out of it to get some... Not... Is. And you've got to give credit to Frank Warren for last night getting a Sufi as an opponent in a world title fight. Yeah. How do you pull that off? Billy Joe Saunders... Well, you petitioned the board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So then all you're, all, all, all you're possibly looking at then is that the boards need to clean out their act to have given them giving title shots to people who are undeserving of it Mate, it's why i love the ibf man like the ibf all by the book all by the book you might not like them look they did it to canelo they were like listen hey you've got to fight Dovrichenko. yeah who's sorry to cut you off mm. who's the ibf mandatory for the heavyweight vision pulev uh, right okay yeah, Pulev. They beat Huey Fury for it. Yeah, and he's, wow. just, he's just sat on it, waiting for the manager to be called, which I imagine will be called after this fight. So that's probably, that's likely Joshua's next fight. 
and you'll hear the story of, well, this is mandatory, so he's got to do it. So yeah, there'll be no Wilder Joshua fight this year. So don't believe anyone who tells you otherwise. Stop watching the monkeys with the cameras and the microphones, man. That's what poisons your mind in the sport, man. That's why I wore this T-shirt, just to let you guys know. What is that T-shirt? A cat with a camera? It's a rat with a camera. Oh, rat a rat with, with a camera. Yeah. <laughs> what if you got a rat with a camera on a you, T-shirt? You know I don't like rodents, man. I was going to put the logo on there, but then I like Kettlebrus, so I didn't. Have you actually had that made? It was, no, it was for sale. Did so where, where did you find Camden the T-shirt? Market or something Mate, like do you know what? I saw it, and I shout out to Winnie. I was on the phone to Winnie, about, and I was like, I wonder if I can find a t-shirt of a rat with a camera. And I just searched for it and it was there. And I was annoyed because I, I wanted it in a different color, but black and white will do. And then she was, she was smart enough to say, don't get the, don't get the logo put on there. I can't believe you found that t-shirt. I love it. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. <laughs> Do you know, I, didn't even, I just figured it was a logo of some sort. I, I, it, the image hadn't twigged in my head whatsoever. Rat with ah, a camera. It was a cat with a camera. It's a rat. Look at that trail. Straight from yeah, Bedfordshire. So then I was like, a cat with a camera. I just did, really didn't. Man alive. Anyway. So. But, no, but back, to, back to the point. Look, we need to demand that the best fight the best. And when, when it doesn't happen, just slate. Stop, stop all of this. Look. Let's be honest, right? 2018, of the heavyweights, who won 2018? Wilder, right? You do Ortiz and you do Fury in a year. There's no question you are the guy that won the year as a heavyweight. You can say Fury did Ortiz. has a, a shout for it, given where he started 2018 versus where he finished 2018. But not in terms of in-ring performance. No. Yeah. It's Wilder. Jo- Josh was not in that mix. I- I'd say you could go Wilder, Fury, Dillian, then Joshua, right? And look at what 2019 is shaping up like. Josh is going to fight Andy Ruiz. I mean, Andy Ruiz is just basically Canelo with dark hair. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Canelo, if he just fucked off the Mexican meat and went British McDonald's. Yeah, that, that, essentially, that's Andy Ruiz. He's got, you know, if it's not a first round stoppage, we've got to really ask questions about what's in Joshua's hands, right? And then the second half of the fight, we're going to see the Pulev fight. In the second half of the year, sorry. We're going to see the Pulev fight. Whereas you've got Wilder now. Wilder's done Brazil, right? Which is a better fight than any of the big three are having this side of, of September. And then after that, it's looking like Ortiz or someone of that ilk. I'd like to see him fight Charles Martin, um, to be honest. Christian- Charles Martin! <laughs> <laughs> he would, though. He would like to do that. Christian- we don't want to see it. I want to see those shorts and that crown brought back out. Sprout and shorts. Christian Alcon says, since Ruiz was announced as AJ's opponent, all I've heard from everybody is how he's a better fighter, more dangerous opponent than Miller was. If this, <laughs> if this, if this is the case, why wasn't AJ making his US debut against him in the first place? Such a good point. Because he was scared. <laughs> it's such a good point. The, Sky sell us this narrative of like, not only is it a great standing, but it's an improvement upon what we had. If it's an improvement upon what you had, why was he not picked in the first place? Now, I know that there will be people out there saying, well, Miller had that New York status. <laughs> He's a New York fighter. It made sense to have that. But Andy Ruiz is from America. Like, he's got the Hispanic legacy, but he's an American. Yeah, but... Well, Canelo's already done our, our Latino buys with his fight. We don't really want another one, do we? <laughs> but look, here's, here's, here's how I look at it, right? 
they'll just sit there and go, well, Andrew Reese fought for a world title against Joseph Park and gave Joseph Park a Should have won. Yeah, should have yeah, won. was robbed, right? And Johnny Nelson will tell you, look, Andy Ruiz could knock Joshua out in one round. That's what Johnny Nelson will say. He's he got goes, fast hands. Spencer Fearon will say, just speak it into existence and it can happen. Speak That's how you believe it, achieve it, brother. Yes. <sighs> Wakanda. And so you're going to get all of this stuff start to ramp up in the next couple of weeks. And then you're going to get Hearn spinning against Wilder's win. So, right. We're going to come on to the Wilder fight, so I'm going to dwell, dwell on that. But Hearn will start saying, it was okay. It was an okay win, but Joshua did all the damage before that. Yep. You know What had he done since he fought Joshua? You know, you'll start to get that spinning against Wilder. Whereas if Hearn was a real money man and had two brain cells to rub together, instead of you know poncing around with a Rolls-Royce Wraith with 79EH on it, which is the most pretentious car I've ever seen, if he was about more How than that... How do you that, know what car he's got and what the number plate is? Hey, you know, I've got rodent tendencies too. Um, but just to, look. <laughs> what was I even saying? Uh, but how do you know that? No, but look, Hearn will start spinning against Wilder. Whereas if you're Hearn, I'd be saying that's a fantastic performance. You now have Wilder elevating himself to this level, right? He's now at the level where Joshua can look at him as a threat. I'd love her to just do that one day because that will get everyone invested in this fight. Like as soon as Hearn says, I love what Wilder did on Saturday, fucking made up for him. That's a great knockout. Josh couldn't even do that. So they're one all. Joshua did to Molina what Wilder couldn't. Wilder did to Brazil what Joshua couldn't. They're up here now. This is the only fight that makes sense. We just need to sort it out. And then that's all he ever needs to say about it. Then we just go, right, we're just going to wait now. That's where we need to get to with boxing. Is that point there where everyone's just trying to elevate each other? What I don't understand with the whole Joshua Wilder thing is that if, I don't know, um, if a billionaire came out of the woodwork now and said, guys, I just want to see this fight. I'm going to put on the table $10 billion for you guys to get in the ring, it wouldn't matter what that figure was. 10 billion, 50 billion, 100 billion. It's about the percentage split as to what money <laughs> and who goes I, where. I, I don't even and think it's... No, no, nuts. So it won't even be that. It will be the broadcaster going, all right, you guys are going to get 10 billion each. What are we going to get? <laughs> yeah, you're not doing that fight. But even if this fantasy billionaire said, right, I'm going to give... A 10 billion to every single person involved in this fight, you'd still have someone going, Oh, yeah, but no, I'm worth more no, than that. Do you know what? I tell you That's, how no, no, it's I, not about what no, they earn, it's I, about no. if they're earning more than the other no, bloke. I tell you how it could happen, right? If someone just said to Joshua, Mate, there's a hundred million, yeah, yeah, I'm going to drive the truck up to your house, there's a hundred million, Wilder, there's a hundred million outside your house now. I'm going to ask you two as men, do you want to fight each other? And they'd say, Yes. Now, I think Wilder could walk to the ring with no, no hindrances, no barriers. I don't think Joshua can because remember the interview. Eddie Hearn's exact words were, we own Anthony Joshua for the next three years. Then he rephrased it to go, we own Anthony Joshua's promotional rights for the next three years. When was this? When was this interview? Ah, can't he, when he re-signed. So, so that, that might have been 2018. Year. I think it might have been oh, 2018. No. I wish back for the days of slave contracts personally. 
Well, well, you know, now I'm sat next to Dillian and I would have owned him 25 years ago. Like I owned Chris Eubank. A fucking horrendous interview. A car crash of a press conference. But but you know the thing is, when I heard that, I went... And they called Chris Eubank stupid for what he said. Now I have to call him sir. That's what he said. I know. And look, I don't don't think it was racially motivated. I just think it was stupidly contextualised by Barry Hearn. I just the worst possible phrasing that you could use in that scenario, especially with the reputation match you have had over the years. Mm. I, I don't, you know, I don't think Barry Hearn's stupid enough to sit there and mean it in that sense. But don't say it anyway. Like you don't need to give people the ammunition to fire it at you. I wish he just said, "Look, the, it's fighter power now. Before promoters yes. had the power, now the fighters uh, not have the power." Not I harbour for the days of slave contracts. Yeah, that Fucking was... Fucking even if Even if Dillian White is a white guy sitting next to him and he says exactly the Which same Which he would have if it was a white dude sitting yeah. next to him. It, yeah. it just goes to show how much of a... Of a I, I Can we take Barry Hearn to South Africa and let him get drop kicked? <laughs> he is clearly like a, a big boy with the money who likes being in charge, likes yeah. exploiting people and he's not ashamed about it. It's just painful to listen to. He almost does it with a smile on his face, doesn't he? Yeah. It's it's horrible. And I think that surely they're going to lock him away in a cupboard now. You can't... I, I never thought I'd listen to someone and go, fucking hell, let me listen to Eddie Hearn instead. I'd rather <laughs> listen to his bullshit than this bullshit. Why was Barry even doing that press conference? This was the Dillian White Oscar Rivas press conference. Wasn't Hearn in America? I don't know, but why doesn't Frank Smith do it? Why didn't anyone I thought that was the it? idea of getting Frank Smith Isn't in for these things. There a cleaner at Matchroom that could have done it instead. <laughs> I, think there's a, I think there's a feeling within Matchroom that Frank's not quite ready. Because he's not... If you notice, like Frank doesn't move the numbers. So no. it's like, well, why have him speak? And he does like the next-gen press conferences, doesn't he? Like, he's on the training ground. Yeah, but he hasn't got that... He hasn't got that thing Hearn has, where Hearn can sell. Yeah, agreed. Fra- Frank's more of a, you watch, a manager. You watch Frank and just think he's trying to be Eddie Hearn. Yes. Because you look at Hearn. Hearn strikes you as the sort of guy that, like, if he wasn't Barry Hearn's kid, right now he'd be out there selling you timeshares, right? He'd be on the Cook Report or Watchdog. Cook <laughs> 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 Report? <laughs> what about a 30-year-old reference? <laughs> Who's that little Dom fella? The little bald-headed one? Don't get done, get Dom. Yeah, that, <laughs> he'd be turning up, finding the Rolls Royce with the, EH, with the e- 79EH. But no, look, so that's what Hearn would be, right? He'd be out there scrapping, grafting. If Frank Smith wasn't at Matchroom, you imagine that he'd be like, like an accountant or he'd run a warehouse somewhere. You know what I mean? Just like... They don't have that. And I think Frank Warren's got the same problem as well. That there isn't anyone in the Warren stable you can just wheel out. No. And they talk in such a way that they just get those IFL views all the way up. Agreed. Agreed. And it's a very hard thing to do. And Hearn and Frank both do their own thing hey, particularly De- well. Dev, I know you're listening. I'm happy to be Frank's mouthpiece, man. Like I'll even do it for minimum wage. I'll do it if you promise not to sue me again. He'll sue you just for that. Probably. Yeah, you, you, you feel, feel he's, like got, he's got my email, it's fine. It, would it be hard, though, to what? get someone in with charisma who could talk about these things if yes. the promoters were willing to bring someone yes. on? Board? I've said it before, I've, and I'm probably less... Uh, okay, Jake Wood was the one that I always said I thought Matchroom would try and tap into and bring him in as like the promoter, the face. Painful, because look, they, yeah. they get him at every Matchroom event. I think he was at the one last night. Asked him to do a podcast room. as well, that went well. 
But yeah, they get him at every match room event, like ringside, focus the camera on him. They get him on this podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, they don't. Of course they don't. It's nothing to do with match room. That pound for pound podcast. I'll take that all back entirely. You know, they've got Spencer Oliver doing it and they use lots of matchroom guests, but I'm sure it has nothing whatsoever to do with matchroom. But, you know, you push him as this boxing uh, knowledge, personality, whatever you want to call it, and actually he would bring an entire different audience along with him, those people that know him from EastEnders. Um, I've always thought that, but actually David Hay's the more natural fit for it. David Hay can sell sand to Arabs, no problem at all. He sold us all the dream of Bellu 1 and then did Bellu 2. Yeah. Like, for more money. For more money. And we bought and, it. And we, now he comes out and like, I know I wasn't going to win either. I know. <laughs> but, but we bought the story and we went, yeah, he is back to like 25-year-old David Hay. less now that he's honest about the fact. I know. That, <laughs> At the time, I was so annoyed with like, ah! But right. He comes out and goes, gotcha. I'm like that. Oh, you little scamp. You little <laughs> scamp. Have another 20 quid. Yeah. Just for a laugh. <laughs> Go buy yourself something nice, Dave. Oh. But if you put him in the Eddie Hearn position, that would make perfect sense. I imagine that's where it's headed. I can't, mm. I can't see British boxing broadcasting letting Hay just float around with no real purpose. And it, the reason it is hard, Andy, is this. You have to be a great talker, but you have to really know the sport. You have to be respected in the sport, and you've got to have the address book. Tick, 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 tick. Uh, otherwise, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. So let me give you an example of what happens when you don't tick those boxes. You get Fabio Wardley versus Dennis Lewandowski, whatever his name was. Yep. That's what happens. Now, I know Paul Reddy kind of, but he's not a guy that's come up in the, in the sport. Yeah, so he, they've just seen someone on Box Rec. They found a YouTube clip. He looked in shape when he fought Tom Schwartz. It's a good story to spin. That guy turned up, and everyone in Matchroom just shat their pants and went, "Who's that? Is that his bodyguard?" For people that don't know about this, this was the next gen card in Nottingham the other week where it's Rebendowski, whatever his name yeah. was, I can't remember, turned up. He's been like, what, 10 rounds of Tom Schwartz, who's fighting Tyson Fury next. And he turns up, and he's the fattest motherfucker I've ever seen in a boxing ring. And it's embarrassing. Like, when they get him on... Sorry? Just look up Fabio Wardley on BoxRec or whatever. Find out his last opponent's name. And then look up, like his weigh-in for Fabio and then look up his fight with Wardley Dennis Lewandowski that's him now look him up versus Fabio Wardley and while you're out there listening if you haven't seen him you can do the same thing um, wow it was it was embarrassing to see that in a in a British boxing ring and Fabio Wardley's this highly touted prospect Matchroom you know he's managed by Dillian White Matchroom are going to start pushing wow. him at some yeah that is a belly <laughs> it is Jesus Christ. It's, do you know what it's like? Do you, do you know what it's like? It's like going on a blind date, right? And someone's just sent you a headshot. <laughs> so, someone's just sent you a headshot. <laughs> or all their photos are from above. You know those, yeah. those kind of people. Yeah. And then you meet in person. And they got the, the mad elephant legs. And then you just work your way up and it doesn't get any better. Did you ever watch The Office, the second series? 
There's a bit where uh, Ricky Gervais cuts David Brent's going around having these blind dates with birds. <laughs> and he stood in a pub and this bird walk. There, he's outside a building, I think. This bird walks up. He's waiting for his blind date. He goes, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's that. Someone at Matchroom would have gone, oh, for fuck's sake. Yo, and you, that's a crisis meeting. That's like, guys, this is bad. When he stepped off the plane, I bet he walked past the Matchroom person to meet him. Like, they can't have assumed that was going to be the boxer yeah. that was turning up. <laughs> Hold on, it says here, this is this is from World World Boxing News, right? Heavyweight Dennis Lewandowski trudged onto the scales on Thursday. Trudged? Weighing... <laughs> Trotted onto the scales. <laughs> weighing in at a massive 352 pounds in his bulky frame. The 25-year-old, 25-year-old puncher has apparently piled on a pound. Puncher. Since coming, on, uh, since coming in at 280 pounds in 2017. But unless the scales in Nottingham were broke, the top division boxer lost a whopping four stone in less than 24 hours. What? Video from the weighing clearly shows Lewandowski hitting it at £352 mark. When the weights arrived that were ratified by BoxRec, the German, uh, the German seemingly dropped a whole £56. It's bollocks. How do you... <laughs> he weighed 25 stone. That's a stone per year. That's incredible. That's an incredible eating achievement. Do you remember when we used to watch um, um, I imagine wrestling? It, yeah, back in the day. And I remember going through like, like watching like Earthquake and Typhoon. And what I remember them looking like now, if I think about it, is like 40 year old men. But when you go back and look and deduct their ages and that, they're, they're quite about young. 28 years old. <laughs> And, and Lewandowski, yeah. Lewandowski didn't even look like them because they look like they're probably big lumps under all of that. And at he, least they he, could move. Yeah, he just looked like a fat guy. Oh, yeah. Like a bus driver. And when he's getting punched, he hasn't got a clue what to do. Oh, man. It was... It was... Well, I think he knew what to do. That body's not letting you do anything. <laughs> you're like, slip. And you're like, to where? I'm everywhere. <laughs> How did we get onto this? Um, Just talking about Hernan's screw-ups in general. I don't know. You know do we even talk about that guy that collapsed at the Warren weigh-in? Oh, oh Ryan Garner. Yeah. That's, that's so indicative of the way that uh, the the way that boxers push themselves. Right? It's just, just disgusting. Um, what can what can uh, be done? I don't think we can brush everybody with the no, the pale right, maybe brush. not. But it's it, it it's, does it not it's a indicate just how much people push themselves to the, the to be in an hard. unnatural weight division? I, I I would bet everything I have on the fact that there's at least one for one of every one of those guys. There's ten that have come off the stage going. My head is spinning because they, because they, you know, they, they just happen to have not collapsed, but they've been very close to being. But you know about the weight cut flu, right? Almost every boxer gets ill cutting weight because you stop eating so much and you put your body through so much stress, your immune system shuts down, so you tend to get ill. And that's why a lot of boxers, you'll hear them go, you know, I was sick for this fight or whatever, and that tends to happen. So I don't even know how you resolve that. There's a brilliant podcast, TKO podcast, with Chris Lloyd and Carl Frampton, where they had Kerry Haynes. Kerry Kays. Kerry Kane, um, the cut man for Jamie Moore, and also does strength and conditioning for fighters. But um, they were just talking on there. Frampton was talking about cutting weight, and uh, this Kerry Gies was giving his take on it. And he came from a bodybuilding background and was saying about, you know, basically the most unhealthy person at any bodybuilding event is the person that's on that stage right now. 
you know, the ones that have been on there have gone off and had some water afterwards because all they're doing is trying to make the most cut body they can possibly do. So they've drained themselves. But go and listen to it. It's a really interesting... Do you remember Andreas Munzer who died on stage? This guy was just ripped. It looked like he had no skin and then just died on stage. Jesus. What was, who, what was this listen you were talking about? It's a TKO podcast that uh, Chris Lloyd and Carl Frampton do. Um, but yeah, with Kelly Haynes, I was getting the name wrong. Um, but yeah, he does the cuts for like Jamie Moore, uh, his kind of group of fighters, as well as does some of the strength and conditioning stuff. But it's a really interesting listen around how to... How fighters handle that week preparation before they're due to weigh in. Um, but that Ryan Garner... what episode was it? Sorry, who was on it? Oh, fucking Kelly up. Haynes. Sorry, or something like that. It was about three episodes ago. <laughs> Fuck me. Why so, do you want me to play it for you? Yeah, why are we even doing... Was it with that? Kerry oh, Kays. Oh, for fuck's sake. Kerry Kays, the cut oh. man. Okay. Jesus but, Christ. But we're not even going to listen to it now. Why are we... Do you want me to listen to it for you again? Then I'll, I'll just transcribe it and send you an email. Is that easier? I would, that... I would enjoy that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but that Ryan Garner stuff was horrible to watch, wasn't it? And it's not the first time he's done it either. Same fighter has done exactly the same thing before. It's frightening. Just to try and get those unnatural advantages. Yeah. And then is it really even an advantage at that point? Like, if he didn't collapse, and as you say, there will be fighters that have gone out and, as Terry says, you know, the amount that got their head spinning. Is it an advantage to be at that that's physical state when the next day you've got to go and do so, 10 rounds 12 rounds so the thing i learned like talking to to people who research this is human bodies differ so vastly that i can't necessarily put martin on the same weight cut i could put like a Lerone richards on i can't should, give them the same weight cut should be should be pretty fucking basic i would have thought that's that's common sense in my opinion like there's such a there's humans differ and are, are are separate in so so many other ways, you know. You'd have thought that's pretty fucking basic, you know. Uh, so I, it surprises me to think that that might be something you've got to learn. <laughs> no, no, but you, well, okay. So if you if you look, let's look at rehydrations and weights, like. Latin American fighters always tend to have the biggest rehydration like margin, right? These guys can add, in some cases, 20 pounds. Like you, you and nine o'clock tonight. Oh, mate, 25 at least, mate. Woo. I mean, this little road in here is going to be stretched. <laughs> you know what I mean? going to be full on. <laughs> Woo. I mean, they have, have this road in hating Michelle Joy Phelps and everything. This is what happens when you're a kid from the hip hop era, man. You just take shots. Um, look, yeah, so you can gain 20 pounds, but then you look at guys like Mayweather. Mayweather doesn't gain anything. You know, a lot of a lot of like guys, like your ethnicity, well, not even your ethnicity, because even within races, there's variation. Like your genotype determines how much you can gain and how much you can lose. And so you have to learn that over time working with a fighter to work out what does their body respond to. My thing is, I think. There should be two severe cuts. There should be one mid-camp and there should be one at the end. Do, leaving it all till the end is too risky because what most people do, so the theory at the moment is do it all at the end because you want your fighter to be as big and as full 
throughout the camp as possible so they can perform at their best, you know, with, when they're at their natural weight. Understandable. But then you've got a massive weight cut at the end and you do a lot of damage to yourself before the fight. It's also very stressful. On the very body, stressful. absolutely. And then if you, if you do like a cut midway through the camp, at least then you've got a lot of that kind of shitty weight off without necessarily sacrificing performance and then you can power on through. But it is... It, it's more art than science. So anyone that says they've got a, a toolkit they can use, it'll fall down at some point. And I guess that's why, if you remember, Paul Smith struggling to make weight in America. Frampton struggling to weight. I mean, he struggled to make weight in America. I think McDonald's struggled as well because they hadn't factored in the reaction of the body to a new environment where it goes, actually, this is really stressful for the body. We're not used to all of this. You know? Well, no, it was Jamie McDonald that struggled when he went to Japan? <laughs> he did. Yeah, because they stopped off in Dubai and the body's like, well, I don't know what all this is. I don't even know why they stopped off in Dubai. All that sort of stuff makes a, it, it's Weight cutting is really, really complex, especially if you're trying to do it for performance. Um, let's move on to Joyce Ustinov. Uh, just put it on there for banter, really. Okay, can, yeah, if you want to watch that fight, just watch it at double the speed and it looks okay. It looks slow motion still. <laughs> <laughs> it's... I put a tweet out in the week, Alexander Ustinov, he looks like everybody's PE teacher. We had a, Andy, we had a PE teacher called Richard. I can't remember his surname. Is it the guy with the really tight shorts? No, that was Martin someone. Um, there was yeah. a guy called Richard who, I think he, he used to play for Northampton Saints. Um, or like played a couple of games for him and did his knee or something. <laughs> Ustinov looks like that PE teacher. That PE teacher who doesn't care about football, basketball, badminton, hockey. He gives a shit when the rugby balls come out. And like, that's what Ustinov looks like. That 40-something-year-old, 44, 45, anywhere up to 49 PE teacher who only cares about rugby. That what he was doing in that ring with Joe Joyce, I've no idea. He's so shocked to shit Ustinov that... He's slow, lethargic, doesn't carry that much threat. The perfect opponent. <laughs> and Joe Joyce, this is meant to be his like his breaking out fight for Frank Warren. It's his first fight under Frank Warren. They get him that. They get him someone's granddad to go out there and fight. It's a disgrace. Like Joe Joyce, they're building up towards whatever they're gonna do. Is it maybe Cabiel? I'm not sure. On the same card as you've got Gorman versus Dubois, which is a brilliant fight. I'm really looking forward to that. But they made me care less about Joe Joyce immediately. I've got a theory on this. I think they've gambled on the fact that in three years' time, all the Twitterati will just go to box rec. Right? They'll go, well, he beat Houston off. That's what they'll say. He be <laughs> yeah, you know, you won't even go back and watch the fight anymore. So it's like, let's take the pain now of fighting Houston off. Beat peak Houston off. Yeah, three years. That's like, look, that Houston off wasn't bad. He was active. And <laughs> it was awkward. Yeah. And, and, and so that I think that's what they've gambled on. Just get the names on there. That's all people refer to when, when it comes down to get title fights. No one's going to remember the performance. So what's Joyce's best win to date? <laughs> Probably. The problem is with Joyce, right? He came on the scene fighting Ian Lewison on his debut. Mm. Coming with an Olympic silver medal. And he's this massive unit of a man. He's the juggernaut. 
And that Lewison win was impressive. On your professional debut, beating Lewison, who's just gone with Dillian White for a British title, and do a number on him. I think did it quicker than Dillian White yeah, did, if I remember rightly. And beat the shit out of him. Make no mistake, Lewison broke his ankle in that fight. Mate, he's coming back. Is he? Why? Uh, um, yes. Did so much damage to Ian Lewison. And at that moment, it was like, wow, like this guy could be for real. And then after that, what's he done? He's fought for the Commonwealth, beat the guy that drew with Dave Allen, or beat Dave Allen. Lenroy Thomas. Lenroy Thomas. He's fought a washed-up Stavern. He's fought Ustinov. He's fought a few other random names in the meantime. Listen, just put him in with Bacoli, right? One of those two just has to stop after this fight. I'm up for that. Yeah. I'm up for that. Joyce versus Bacoli. Neither are young men. Yeah. Well, some are more truthful than others. Is it it that Joyce isn't interested in the top level opponents in his division or is it they're not interested in him? They're not interested in him. What does he bring? He's a a heavy fighter, hard puncher. Who knows what chin he's got, but he was getting tagged by Stavern and wasn't going Uh, anywhere. How easy would it be? be for him to make himself a mandatory in well he's mandatory to the WBA uh, regular. regular which is Manuel Char's belt um, he's mandatory for the European which is Cabiel so he's in positions whereby at some point someone's going to have to pull the trigger and make these fights give Frank his due though oh, Jesus look if you look at what Frank's done on the quiet he's assembled a little army right so he's gone I've got Fury I can shoot Fury down potentially the WBO I've got Joyce. I can shoot him down the WBA. I've got Dubois Gorman. I can shoot them up the IBF. Yeah. I've got Joshua circled potentially. You know, forget Wilder. We can we can we can deal with Wilder. We haven't got those issues. But I've got Joshua circled in about eighteen months' time. He's got to fight one of my guys. Then what, Eddie Hearn? It's, it's a clever little move that Frank's pulled off here. And you know, I'm almost looking at Dillian and going. With the way Sky have treated you, why wouldn't you box for Frank? Agree. Although, let's not pretend Dillian's been too hard done by out of this. I don't like this narrative that Dillian White is the most unlucky, most poorly treated fighter going. He's made millions upon millions from pay-per-view fights that aren't for world titles. They've got him into a position where... He's been offered the Joshua fight for more money than he's ever made before. And I know, okay, he's, he's keeping his worth. Cool. But he's turned down um, opportunities for final eliminators to make himself mandatory. Turned down Pulev. Turned down Ortiz. To take fights against like Joseph Parker, which I'm not saying is an easy fight. And it was a good fight. But the, the concept that he doesn't get his opportunities at world titles yeah. is like it's he's not been as real. much of an assassin to those opportunities as they're now given if he's to. doing that to make money for himself i completely get that cool like i've no problem with that at all but, but it comes look, for me, down for, to that thing again mate, like you can't have your legacy cake or money yeah. look, but for me it's, it's, it's a whole if you look at how sky have like they haven't really you know it was a, okay put it the protests about how white is treated always come after the thing has happened if that makes sense so once the wbc had said right brazil wild is mandatory it was almost like it was accepted. And then once once they got far enough away from it, oh, man, that's out of order. Yeah, WBC are corrupt. It's, it's an absolute disgrace. And so I'm like, mate, 
why don't you just sign with Heyman or sign with someone that's just going to go, right, mate, you're next. Yeah. I love the fact that the WBC, like, they said uh, White has to fight Fury in a final eliminator. And in the same week, said, yeah, Luke Campbell can have his WBC shot that he's been in line for. It's going to be against Lomachenko. <laughs> and then that same week, Suleiman flies over to the UK and films himself in a bar where they're playing Sweet Caroline. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Absolutely Love trolling. That. It's amazing. Love that. Amazing. Just going back to what you said earlier about Ian Lewis and coming back, does that mean we get the awaited Ian Lewis versus David Lewandowski because I would love to see that fight crikey would they have to wear the <laughs> the, the pants kimonos? sumo pants <laughs> <Where they're... laughs> just run at each other <laughs> um, we did briefly go on come on this earlier but not entirely and that's Wilder Brazil ah oh, mate I don't think I've been happier <laughs> I don't think I've been happier since I heard Yards fighting Kovalev, that might be the highlight. <laughs> Andy, where are you going? What? <coughs> I, I, I need are you, you gonna to bring knock the, one out. No, about I need, I need the pin so I know that you're going to go for a little while, so I can go. For no, 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 no. I need you to bring out the best in me at this point. I can't. You can't go. Uh, who's going to put the crosses in? I'm like Van Nistelrooy. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't you worry. I got your back. I'm like Van Nistelrooy. I need that service from the right hand side. <laughs> Man, there, there, nothing makes me happier. Nothing makes me happier than when people talk about someone being one-dimensional. His power's not all that. Brazil's got a chin because he took Joshua the distance. He's going to be a threat. He didn't go the distance with Joshua. Oh, sorry. He, he took him seven rounds. My mistake. This is going to be tough for Wilder. It might be a decision on points. Brazil's got power. He's got a chance. All this stuff I kept swallowing. And in my head, I was like, it's just a question of when Wilder touches him. And... Just flip it round. Imagine you're there in Miami, you know, somewhere in Miami, in your training camp, and you're Joshua, your mates, right? Team AJ's there. We'll sit and watch that. Yeah. That'd be good fun. Yeah, you're telling your mates, listen, when I was there with Brazil, he hit me with his left hook, and I thought my legs had gone, but I firmed it. I toughed it out, but he's tough. I hit him with my best shot, and he was still there. Then I dropped him, and I thought, he ain't getting up, and he got back up. And so you're there saying to your mate, you're like, listen, Skins, I'm telling you now, Skins, yeah? <laughs> Brazil, Brazil might win this, you know? I don't think Wilder can knock him out. That power's not real. And then you sit down and you've got your, your Cheetos, your Gatorade, some protein snacks. And you're there watching the fight with your guys. And then they start swinging in the corner. And you're like, I told you about Brazil. I told you, Skins, yeah? I told you. I told you, Solomon. Look at this. Yeah? He's gonna, Wilder's going to get knocked out. And then Wilder ices him and the room just goes quiet. And you know, everyone's looking at you. And you know, Joshua just grabbed that remote control and turned the TV off. <laughs> just turned it, turn that shit off, turn it off. And someone just went, Josh, you're going to be all right sleeping tonight, mate. You're going to be okay sleeping. You sure? Because I'm telling you now, right? Remember, we used to talk about Wilder's not as popular as Joshua. And all this sort of bullshit. How many viral moments does Wilder have now? Yeah. Like real viral moments where you can see a video on Twitter, a video on Instagram, and it's got 300,000 views. Wilder has, what, Stavern? Ortiz? Uh, Fury? And now he's got Brazil. And that's not even mentioning the, the mascot he knocked out. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like we're not. We're, he he has legitimate viral moments. That fury moment. Yeah, and that had a life of its own. And now you look at Joshua. Since Klitschko, what viral moment has Joshua had? Apart from you're a disgrace to the superior black race or praying in a mosque. He doesn't have any. Orangutans on a golf cart. But that died. Like, no, no one even addressed no. that. It didn't. <laughs> no. There are always negative stuff that's been cleared up, aren't there, really? Yeah, but if it had been Wilder in a golf cart with orangutans, ban him from Britain immediately. But so so to see all of this and just to see Wilder just just basically knock this guy the fuck out. Like, there's no... There, I'd love to sit here and talk to you about the science of that knockout. He just hit the guy. I don't even think he hit him flush on the chin either. He just hit him. And the way Brazil went down, that's like, you know, you ever had this when your phone's temperamental and the battery turns off when it's like 50% and the phone just goes dead? That's what Brazil did. He just he just imploded into like this black hole of his own existence. And it, it was the, the slow mo shot. It's a slow mo shot from <coughs> essentially behind Brazil, looking at Wilder, where that shot connects on the chin, and you see his other ear wobble. Like <laughs> it's fucking mental. It's not the, the side of the head that gets connected with, it's the other side. And his ear is wobbling. His ear's just trying to get down. away. Like, I need to get the fuck away from this situation. <laughs> like, it's so... Oh, man. It's unnatural power. It's quantum mechanics. You know, like, when you, like, you read A Brief History in Time, that Stephen Hawking book? Nope. I'm sure there's a chapter in there that's just called Wilder's Right Hand. And it's just like this mad equation. And the ultimate conclusion is... If Wilder were to punch a photon of light, <laughs> the whole universe would implode. Fact. Like, yeah. He, he, he look, he's hitting Joshua with that right hand. Like I don't I don't even think we can debate that. And the only question is how many of those will it take for Joshua to just just give up? Because I just don't see you know, because Joshua's gotta have that mindset now of I've gotta get him before he gets me. It would be a hell of a fight to watch. Yeah, but Wilder's got a chin because he got caught nicely by Brazil. In the corner. Yeah, boom. And <coughs> you know what I mean? He could have dropped, but he was like, mm, mm. So I'm like, imagine it turns out he's got a Holyfield chin. We know he can tough it out. Yeah. Like, he toughed it out with Ortiz. And I know people can say, oh, well, the referee gave him the additional time to recover. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, whatever. The fact was that he toughed it out. And Joshua toughed it out against Klitschko. You know, when he got dropped and he's on his knees, that iconic moment where he's almost pulling himself up on the ropes. Can he do that against the explosive power of Wilder? I just want to find out. <laughs> someone let me find out. Eddie Hearns um, said, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fight must be next with no excuses. All right, cool. We'll hold you to that, Edward. Yeah, I'm sure. We'll, we'll, with no we'll, excuses. We'll, we'll wait for the mandatory shit to creep in. With no excuses. But, but didn't I tell you, this is when, see how Her, Hearn's not stupid. He knows how to spin things, right? So now the spin machine's in full motion. Now that he's mentioned Joshua and Wilder, he'll start to spin against Wilder and start talking up AJ. And we don't need that, man. Like, I just genuinely want, and I think John Skipper said to Eddie Hearn, mate, you have to just shut up, okay? You're, you're fucking this up. Because if you notice, I don't know if you saw the post fight, Shelly Finkel's no. now like, me and John Skipper have a good relationship. I'm sure between me and John Skipper, we can make this fight happen. 
So you can see Hearn's just been, they've been like, listen, Eddie, right? Just, right, you're not involved. Tell me who John Skipper is. CEO of The Zone. Yeah. He's basically right. the, the guy that signs the checks. Right, okay. So he's ex Disney, ESPN. Um, Don't Disney own ESPN? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, that's under the same umbrella. Um, he left ESPN under fairly auspicious circumstances. Me too. Um, <laughs> similar to, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's renowned. You know, he makes big contracts for sports. That's what he does. He did the contracts for, I don't know if it was the NBA or the NFL or something right. like that. He He's worked on mega, mega sports contracts. That's why DAZN have him. Yeah, he's the, so when you see him getting involved in this, it tells you that they can't trust her. And they're like, no, no, mate, they don't like you. You're costing us money at this point. Because DAZN needs that fight sooner rather than later. The longer you leave it from as, like just being a DAZN bean counter, you're burning your own capital, right? Before that fight happens, you're burning your own capital. Once that fight happens, you're burning the fans' capital because they're putting the money into it. And so Skipper's like, we need to make this fight happen because I want at least two, if not three of these fights. Yeah? And Eddie, you're fucking this up by drawing it out. I wouldn't be surprised if Skipper's like, listen, I want Joshua to vacate some of these belts so we can just, just, just get this fight made. But haven't you both said to me before that if they want to make a fight between those two, all the mandatories get to step aside anyway? Yeah, you can make unification... And it supersedes a mandatory. But these mandatories are hiding <coughs> places, you see? They're hiding places. So you're like, oh, I've got to fight my mandatory now, so can't fight Wilder. Yeah, but, but surely that's not a legitimate excuse if you, if you no, don't have to fight no. a mandatory. How many times you heard Wilder go, listen, I done cleared my mandatory. I'm ready for Joshua. And it was Joshua. And he's been true to his he word. He wobbled his head there, Terry, like Wilder would. It was quite yeah. impressive. I listen. <laughs> it was a hell of an impression. He's look. I can watch Wilder talk at like ad nauseum. The guy is. He's how I want my heavyweight champion to be. And I know someone's going to tweet, "What do you say about killing Brazil?" Ah, whatever. But well, all right. What about that though? Because we've had we've we've had so many times this podcast. We've had we've had stories about. Guys coming out of the ring disabled. We've had guys dying in the ring, dying outside the ring from injuries they've sustained inside the ring. Can I give is, my take on it? That's for, okay. it's well, one of you. Yeah, it's tasteless. But this is in a sport where the intention is to win by whatever means necessary, and if that means killing a person, it means killing a person. That's not their intent. Their intent is to win the fight. But we live in a world where Mike Tyson said he was going to eat Lennox Lewis's children that didn't exist. We live in a world where Tony Bellew said he wanted to kill a man in Nathan Cleverly. We live in a world where uh, Derek Chisora said he was going to physically shoot David Hay. As opposed to just imagining... Uh, Non-physically non yeah. shoot David yeah, Hay. Yeah, just theoretically. All of these things have been and gone in the past. Wilder saying that... <laughs> Like, how many of the same people that are so offended by what Wilder said would also cheer on Derek Chisora? Yeah. Plenty. It, for me, we look at it through a British lens and the deaths of Scott Westgarth, Mike Tull, etc., and God rest their souls, are very real to us. So we, we have a different view of it. I don't think Wilder necessarily has that. If Wilder was a British fighter, I'm sure his view on saying stuff like that would be different. 
But over in America, they don't see what we see Didn't happening here. Didn't he phrase it like, I've, I need a body on my record? I need a body on my record, yeah. and I work in a sport where I have the right to legally kill a man, so why wouldn't I want to do that? Those yeah. are his words. Now, people say, look, I'm not defending Deontay Wilder for what he said, because I say it's tasteless and it's stupid. But... but yeah. If if this was a fictional story, what I would say is, oh, that doesn't that doesn't sound in line with the way that his character's been built up because he seems like a compassionate Agreed. guy who's but, who's gone at lengths to explain that but, he's an intelligent, you, thought thoughtful but person. You get him into fight week when a you've got a different mentality as a fighter because you're switched on a lot more than you were for the other seven eight weeks of camp. B you've got a fight to sell. You've got headlines to generate. You've got people to try and make tune into this fight, like. You can see why those words came out of his mouth. They're stupid words to come out of his mouth. I mean, look, I, I'm I, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Personally, for the most part, I couldn't give a damn the quote-unquote words that come out of people's mouth unless they're in people. These people are in politics that are going to directly affect my life. It doesn't matter. And I think in this culture, we're so is and more and more so, we're hysterical about the words that come out of people's Looking mouth. Looking for a reason to be offended. Yeah, yes. yeah. Which they don't. It does not matter. But it just it just strikes me as such an odd thing to say for a guy who so far he went. He seemed to be annoyed with the way that heavyweights and he was viewed and went at lengths to cultivate this personality of, actually, this Deontay Wilder bloke, he's switched on. And then he goes and says something like that and you think, well, what, are you well, just burning but, the house but, before but, you but leave? But let's or? also not forget, man, Brazil was talking some... Like, the, those two guys, it's personal. Like, it's really... From, from where it kicked off in Alabama, it's personal. Can you give me some context? So, while, I can't remember who Wilder fought in Alabama... And there was an incident at the hotel involving Brazil, his family, and Wilder's brother. And it was Wilder's brother who was mouthing off. Brazil mouths off back. It gets a bit physical. I think it was just pushing and shoving. And you can do... Wilder's was, it, was it Brazil's wife got pushed or something? Yeah. And so Wilder's involved on the periphery. I don't think he was like the main antagonist in that. But essentially what Brazil says is, he's like, look, I was with my wife and my children, man. Like, how did that kick off? And so... He wanted to sue. I imagine Heyman said, no, nah, we'll give you a fight. You'll get more money from the fight than you would from suing, right? And it, it solves all of our problems. Petition the, AB, the, the WBC, have a little chat in their ear. Cool, you get the fight. But Brazil was doing these little social media videos as well. Going, ah, yo, how many kids you really got? You say you got three, but ah, you know, you got two wives and all this. He was really disrespectful about Deontay. So I imagine at that point then, I know the feeling to an extent where you just go, ah, you know, the gloves are off now. You know, the gloves are yes, off between me and you him. You do know that. You yeah. do know that more so than anyone. Yeah. The, you know, the gloves just come off and you're like, yeah, you both barrels. And then you go home and you ask yourself, do I really need to say that? But you're like, at that person, yes. If I said it to anyone else, I might be a bit more reflective. I might not have got a t-shirt. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um... So who does Wilder fight next? Uh, whoever he wants. Ortiz I want Charles Kevnaki. I want Charles Martin. And I, I, I can't. There's no logic to it. There's no logic <laughs> there really to it at isn't. all. I would just like to see him fight Charles Martin because I quite like Charles Martin. I realise Charles Martin is who Charles Martin is, and I almost feel silly asking this question. But is there any reason? Why he would fight Charles Martin? He's a PBC fighter, and, and also Martin ran Kovnaki close in a twelve rounder. He would have won that. 
And he's still he's still active and doing all still right. Active. Yeah, he's still, still living good. off the Joshua money. You'd suspect. Yeah. Still looks high as fuck in half I of didn't. his social media videos. But the thing is, you know when good you watch him, him, like like I think Joyce is slow, right? But Martin looks so slow when he boxes, and I'm like, how on earth are you landing shots as slow as you are? But he does. It's almost like someone's moved out the way and then comes back. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like slip. What? It's still. Oh, <laughs> Um, it'll be Luis Ortiz or Adam Kalnaki, I suspect. Which are good fights. And and so he'll have a stronger 2019 than Joshua will. And so at some point, someone in Josh's team has to say, mate, you've got to make a statement at some point. You're ruining well, your legacy. Is, that is exactly it. Like, he needs to make a... And that's kind of come back what I said about Joe Joyce. I wondered if... That was about an hour ago. Yeah, if there was any reason for someone like Joshua to try and build up someone like Joe Joyce, who has at least a name in this country. The problem is, we would have some interest in it, but Joe Joyce's CV to now doesn't lend itself to fighting Joshua. Because if Joshua goes and wipes him out, then the argument is Joe Joyce should never have been in there. He was never ready for it. I'm not saying Joe Joyce would embarrass himself, because I think it would be... A reasonable fight but you need to have something before you get to Joshua that isn't a 48 year old PE teacher now I realise I'm looking at this from a British perspective and obviously he's an Olympian but so therefore what you've said so far Joe Joyce's profile is probably is bigger than his than his experience in it professional would, boxing that fight would do Wembley though and so the question actually is is Joshua more indebted to zone or Sky Sky would love Joshua versus Joyce Right, they'd love that because it's UK, UK time, Wembley or another stadium, and it's pay per view. Sky would love that. Yep. Dazona, like, mm-hmm. well, my, my, I guess my question is like, mate, that T-shirt, like, I, t- I, I, I've been thinking about it, but I'm like, why would you even own that? <laughs> a, ma- a man who's got a T-shirt with a rat holding a camera is asking why you own that. Well, you know, not all rats hold cameras, and not all people that hold cameras are rats. We can narrow it down, right? If we need to. <laughs> my question is, my question is, like I, Joshua, um, a point I was sort of meandering towards was, could Joshua fight Joyce and pretend it's a statement fight? No. Doesn't sound like he can. You can't. But is there someone two that he... people. Is it literally two, only two? Two people. Well, Street Fighter 2, Yeah. We've got Street Fighter 2 right now. And it's Sagat and fucking M. M Bison. Bison. That's all. Yeah. Joshua's done with Balrog. He's done with Vega. What about Dal Sim? I like Dal Sim. That, listen, that was... That he was, wasn't a boss. That was Leo, right? Balrog was the first boss. Vega was the second yeah. boss. Sagat was the third boss. Then and then M. Bison. M. Bison. Like, Joshua's done M. Bison and Vega. We're now like, you got to do Sagat and you got to do M. Bison. That's all that matters to us right now. Right. Will Fury and Wilder, will they fight again before one of them fights Joshua? I suspect so, because I, I just think Team Joshua are more scared of this fight than Joshua is. It's my, it's my thoughts at the moment. Mine? If you had to guess out of those three, what fight is going to come next? I don't think any of them will fight over the next three years against oh. one another. God, I so hope that you're wrong. That is painful. Because how old will Deontay Wilder be? They're like 37 or something. Yeah. That's my guess, is oh. that 
there's too much water under the bridge in certain places. And... Uh, Can people like John Skipper come into it and push the people aside? It depends how big his checkbook is. Yeah, because think about it, right? I think the acceptance is for the Joshua Wilder deal to happen, it has to be on pay-per-view. No one's buying this the zone thing because they're like, we can't, we can't track your metrics. But you're telling me that the zone have said pay per view's dead. This is the zone is the future just by doing it through the app. You can't afford Joshua Wilder on the zone. Yeah. Unless the zone are willing to just sink endless amounts of money into a $20 a month app, which doesn't seem very logical to me. Yeah. And so. <laughs> I don't see how you can make that on the zone. I don't see how you can make Fury Joshua on the zone. And I don't see Fury or ESPN like the double paywall. So you got to pay for the app, and then you got to pay for the pay per view. Yeah. And so, fuck, we're Brits. You know, we're just gonna hack that shit like that. That will be yeah. streamed. And Fury Wilder. I don't see that happening with the whole move away. You got the Showtime ESPN block now. I don't see that happening anytime soon yeah, it seems either. Odd at the moment. It all seems to be it's, it's it all like it's the the cart is before the horse. Everyone's gone to online because they've seen the way that Netflix and all that sort of happen. But no one's actually paying attention to how it affects, you know, Mister Casual sitting in his living room. Like, well, I can't watch the Zone on my TV. A very That's not our problem, mate. Well, it is your problem, actually. There's a very big difference between, like, I've got a train journey and I'm going to take my laptop or my tablet and I'm going to watch a film that I've downloaded already versus I've got to be in front of my TV at nine o'clock yeah. to catch all of yeah, the action. Yeah, true, actually, yeah. There is a massive difference yeah. between that. So, of course, Netflix is massive. Nobody can debate that. And this is the Netflix of sport. But when you've got things that you can... Time sensitive as at well. At any point, you can access, you know, your films, your movies, and you can download them, and you can watch them whenever you want. You can watch a film over multiple sittings. I can't watch the zone over multiple sittings. <laughs> I can't wait to watch the 1988 Cup final. I've got that lined up for my train journey, and then I'm going to watch last week's highlights to the fuck. Oh, you exactly. Know, you you, you want to see things as they happen. That's a very good point because it is. And that is where it's people, subtle, but it's a massive difference. That is where people haven't got their head around sport on an app or this over the top, as they like to call it, because we want to be part of the discussion as it's happening. Right? There's no point in you guys watching Joshua Fury live, right? And you're there, you're in the moment, you're messaging each other, going, fuck me, this is brilliant, right? And I'm just out on the piss. And then I get home and I watch it. But you've already had the discussion. Yep. Now I'm getting involved, I'm like, I'm late. You want all three of you watching this thing at the same time, go, did you just see that? <laughs> yeah, and Sky have, ex and Sky and amongst others, have exploited that for years to the point where people are getting up, myself included, at 4am to watch fights live. Because live is what it's all about. And now suddenly, not Sky, but other places are going, well, they're either, tr they're either ignoring the fact that that's, a, that's, a, that's something you're going to have to deal with or telling you it's not a problem when it Re clearly is. Remember where you were round 12, Fury versus Wilder. Yep. We all remember where we were. Yep. And we all remember that feeling. You don't get that the day after. <laughs> yeah. And just, I, I think it's almost five to ten years too early. Almost like a generation too early yeah. to, be, to be sinking everything into it. To be like backing all of your money onto it. 
Because my son's like nine years old. All he'll watch. He doesn't watch TV. Never watches TV. He watches YouTube. He watches everything that he wants off YouTube. When that generation comes through, they'll be used to watching everything off YouTube. He can link his phone up to his TV. He can watch it all on YouTube. I'm more comfortable watching something... And I'm technologically savvy enough to be able to get like an IPTV service or to oh, yeah. stream stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but my parents' generation aren't. And so you've still got that lingering generation. My old man loves to watch a big boxing match, but he wouldn't know how to stream it. He wouldn't know if you said to him, right, you've got an over-the-top app that you can plug into your fire stick and watch that through your TV. He'd have switched off halfway through that yeah. sentence. So you need to lose that generation of people... You need to, you know, our generation will accept it and we'll learn to work with it. And then the younger generation will be bred with it. And so you're almost five to ten years is my guess, too early going. So so now what's interesting is there are rumours that PBC is up for sale. Are there? Yeah. So the guys that lent Heyman the 550 million. (laughs) Want it back. Well, they're like, well, I don't think you've generated a profit since we gave you this money, mate. (laughs) So... How about we just sell the whole thing and try and claw back what we can? So I can see that complicating matters because now you're going to have to lock in your assets, right? Because you've got to go, all right, who are your key fighters? Lock them into contracts that they might not want to before you can package the deal up and sell it. And they're, apparently they're going to sell it to the guys that own the UFC. So look, look forward okay. to Dana White doing his thing um, for the PBC. I'm just going to go through a few questions quickly. Um, okay. We did... Cu- we did kind of uh, piss on this bonfire before it's even been lit, but Christian Alcorn asks, aside from the farcical way Billy Joe Saunders became a two-weight world champion, does he really have what it takes to fight the bigger high-level fighters? He landed clean again and again last night and barely shook Izufi. Is it, it just seems he has fast hands but no power. And we yeah. kind of touch on that. But oh, can they land on him? That's the question. Yeah, but he's fighting dog shit. No, no, but it's a real question. Can they land actually, on him? Actually, he did get landed on when he then fell back into the ropes. Round oh, seven? Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, he did get tagged. But so, so my thing with Billy Joe is, if his skills can carry him up the weights, fair play to him, right? His power's not going to carry him up the weights, but his skills might be able to. So maybe. Uh, it's, it's one of those where anything's possible. But I'd rather see Billy Joe at middleweight, and I said the same about Eubank Jr., just get back down to middle because it's a classic weight as well. So just for legacy. He, he shouldn't be at super middleweight. That is just a, that's a belt grab. Yeah. Uh, Neil Taylor asks for you two to chat over the $50 pay-per-view extravaganza on the next pod. Um, oh, is that the rugby league this, guy? Was this the Australian? It was uh, Costa Ju's son, wasn't it? Ben was um, the headline. Tim Zhu? No, yeah, it was Tim Zhu, no. but the, 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 the picture he sent was of the Australian rugby league guy, right? So there's a rugby yeah, league so. guy who, who boxes on the side, like, kind of like Sonny Bill Williams. And he was meant to fight, and his opponent pulls out, right? And they dig up that guy, the guy with the belly from New Zealand. They oh, yeah. dig him out, right? The bell goes... And like the first meaningful punch, the guy just gets dazed. That's right, yeah. And it looked like that guy had never boxed in his life. And he got hit. It looks like he's going to (laughs) cry. That's what I was thinking. Because he gets hit and it doesn't register. And you're like, I'm like, that guy's never boxed before. And then the pain kicked in and you could, he's like, and he's trying to get out. And his legs wouldn't let him run away. (laughs) 
But yeah, we're, we're sat here whinging about the zone or pay-per-view and those poor fuckers in Australia got me $50 for that. For that. Australian boxing, like... So the only people that really know through Australian boxing, there's, there's a lady called Kay Scott and she boxes for the Australian team. People are laughing when I say this, but she might be the most attractive, well, one of the more attractive females in, in the boxing What's world. What's her name? Kay Scott, K-A-Y-E-S-C-O-W-T. What, as so a K-A-Y-E. boxer, or just as a female, a founder, female in general. She's not, you know, you wouldn't be embarrassed to have her on your arm. No, no, you just, you just, you wouldn't. You Why know. is this relevant information? No, 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 you know, but, but so I know <laughs> her. Right. Yeah, I know her and Caitlin Parker. I think they're both about the same weight class. But in general, Australian boxing seems to be ex-rugby players on some kind of performance-enhancing substances with no skills, and it's just basically a barroom brawl live on TV. And I don't know how you change that because they've had great fighters in the past. You know, um, who was the guy that trained with Emmanuel Stewart? Hey, whoever asked that question, tell me. I forget now. The guy that trained with Emmanuel Stewart, the little guy. I think he was a featherweight. Uh, fuck, brain escapes me. Uh, you know, Daniel Gill wasn't bad himself. Mundine, not that good. But Danny Green. Lucas Brown. Yes. The man with <laughs> he's no He's fighting Tom man, Little soon. The man with no liver. But like he's just he's gone from fighting for what and winning a WBA regular title to then like he fought in that Scottish show where he fought Sokolowski to Dave Allen to Tom Little. I know this is gonna sound weird. I'd like to see Tom Little versus Dave Allen. Yeah, well. and, and and the reason I say that is I've got I've seen Tom Little spar. And it would be good to have Tom Little box against someone who's roughly his level. Because if you know, like, Tom normally gets fed to someone. Yeah. I'd like to see it where he's not fed and he gets a camp to prepare and fight. Like, he's... I don't think Dave is light years ahead of him. So I'm like, put him in with a Dave Allen and let's see what happens. Uh, Ryan Younger asks... Who would you guys have train, manage, and promote your career if you could choose anyone from turning over? Uh, so start with, I guess... It, it's, we've had this kind of thing before, and it's so ambiguous, because you need to know what level of kid you're bringing up. And what weight. So is it someone who's had two amateurs and is a heavyweight and isn't going to set the world alight? Or is it someone who's coming out of an Olympic gold and they're a bantamweight? Like, there's so many variables about this type of question. So... I'm going to answer it by turning it around. So today's the year anniversary since John Pilata made his debut as a pro. So John's a year in, he's 5-0 and now, right? So I can talk about how that happened and where we are now. And I'll be as sensitive as I can be. So you go back. You know, John turns over, fit, done with the amateurs, and wants to turn pro. Trains with a prominent trainer of world champions based in southwest London. People guess who that is. Was very active over the weekend. Well, Don Charles. No. Shane. Oh, right. Sorry. I'll... Yeah. So he was with Shane beforehand. Sorry, to give you the context, I'm sat here trying to translate Spanish to English on an Airbnb reservation that I've got coming up. So, Wait, so I, wasn't, you, I wasn't listening did, to did, all of it. Didn't you tell them you're English? Yeah, yeah, but she keeps writing to me in Spanish, so I'm sat here having to fucking write back to her and then translate <laughs> that through Google. Oh, no. No, so basically, look, you've got 
John trains with Shane for a bit. It, it not that it doesn't go anywhere, but Shane's got other priorities at the time. So you're you're trying to get you know you've just finished with Eubank Jr. You're trying to get George ready and so forth. And there are other things that are priorities. So so John John says I, I don't know if, I don't know if it will work here in like my timescales. So we go okay. What are our options? And you look at your options, and you go okay. The most likely option, Don, right? Then John says, actually. I've spoken to Steve Goodwin as well, and he's interested. All right, fine. Don and Steve, they're cool. I don't think there'll be an issue with that. And we go and see it, and we hook the whole deal up. And neither of us really knew what to expect and what to look for. And, I, and it's been educational for me in that sense. And in terms of building your career, you learn. Because I'll break it down first with, you know, the promoter's a side issue, I think, for now. You want to talk about who's going to manage. So managing, I've got three case studies with Steve. They're probably more. They're more informally. They're people I've I've recommended sign with Steve, and they've done so. But there are three that I've discussed on this podcast: John Pilata, Sam Smith, and El Massey. Steve's been fantastic for two. Was ill suited for one. And El Massey, Steve's the perfect manager for Nell because Nell needs someone that cares. That's how Nell boxes. That's how Nell fights. She needs someone that will put an arm around her and say, "Listen." we will get there. As long as you keep doing your side of the bargain, we'll get there and we'll maneuver you into position. And Steve's really strong at that. Sam Smith, woman in her mid to late 30s. She's lived life. She's done the boxing round before under Bieber. She's done her thing. And she's got some cool stuff coming up in the future. Which I was going to come to that. So when we when sam and i spoke and i said steve is exactly what you need because you're pretty self-directed financially you're okay you're good for two coach loads of fans wherever you box pretty much you do your numbers right so all you need a manager to do is to navigate you through the the complex and choppy waters that are boxing and i was like steve is ideal for that stand by that today I'm happy to say that today, like I'm happy to say what he's doing for Nell is exactly why you go to Steve. So those two are really good case studies. John's different. John's insanely driven and insanely questioning about stuff. Like, John will work you very hard. He's like, is it Rod Tidwell in Jerry Maguire? Like, you never watched Jerry Maguire? The film. Yeah. Show me the money. Yeah. So John's kind of like that where John will work you pretty hard, right? And he'll demand a lot of you. So you can't have 80 other people on your portfolio and have John because then John's like, I don't know if I'm getting enough here. And so that was that was a more challenging situation to make work. And you know, you look at you know how the, the model of manager has shifted over time where you've got guys like Umar and Andy as a fighter and manager team, where Andy's main thing is I need to maximize Umar's commercial value. But Andy's gift is he'll tap into the knowledge around him in terms of boxing to get himself up to speed. But he says, look, I want this commercial shit to be happening and I want my fighter to be happy. Being able to petition the board and stuff like that, that might come later. It's not there now. You've got other other guys who are trainers and managers. So Jim... McDonald's one, Joe Gallagher's another, where they will navigate you through the system, but you're not going to get that commercial kick. They're not really those sorts of guys that can get you in front of sponsors and so forth. 
So you've got differing models. And then you've got the Steve model, which is another different one where you get a bit of everything. Where you get, you get, I'll put you on shows or I'll get you here. You can also get the, you know, fuck, my brain's just gone. So you, I'll put you, I'll navigate you through the choppy waters here. But you get less on the, I can help you commercially. Because the guy's got 80 something people on his portfolio. So I can understand that. So then you're like, okay, over time, you're like, we're going to make this work. Don't know if it's quite the right fit, but we've got to find a way to make it work. So we become a bit more self-directed. We'll do a lot of it ourselves on the side. But eventually, you, you, I think you just realize the fit's not there and you rebase. So I don't, you know, John's still weighing up where he wants to go. He might go to someone like a Mo Pryor or whoever. But you then start looking at, we, we've had a year of figuring out what it is we need. Let's jump in on that and let's go from there. But that's not to say Steve's a bad manager, right? It's horses for courses. I think Steve's a good manager for defined classes of people. But then I'd be a good manager for defined classes of people. Horses for courses. Just pick someone that helps you fulfill your potential and you know, frame that in reference to who you are as a person and how you operate. From the training perspective... I think Don Charles is a great trainer. Like, I can't question anything that guy's done in the game. It just wasn't right for John. John, we're a year in now, and John hasn't done a Dillian camp, and John hasn't done a Joshua camp, but he's been good fits for all the guys that those two have fought, and no one's really pushed for him to get in there, which is good. Well, and I'll contrast that with another lad that I work with, Courtney. Courtney, in camp with Joe Joyce, in camp with Chisora for the, for, might have been for the two Dillian fights, actually. And so, do you see what I mean? Like, it's, it's what, who's making what happen for you? That's what you want as a boxer. Who's really pushing me? Because what John needed, and I've learned this a year in, John needed to be in an environment where he wasn't considered that good because he likes to prove people wrong. Kind of like me. He likes to prove people wrong, and that's what stretches him. And he, I don't feel he was stretched in the year that he was with, with Don. And that's not to say Don's a bad trainer. I think Don's a hell of a trainer. If, if you've done all the hard work already. So Bullioni had already done the hard yards. Um, Derek had done the hard yards at Finchley. They'd instilled that graft and that work ethic in him. So you learn all of these things over time. And in response to the question, so who would you choose? Honestly, it's unless you really know what you're looking for, it's a lottery. Like guys like Josh would get their pick. So they just get best in breed or they do it themselves. <clears throat> Dillian's had to change the situation because before it was the Miguel's Mafia managing him and that didn't work. So he's had to evolve too. Tyson Fury's had to change his situation to, uh, to the MTK model, as is Frampton, you know, as is Ryan Burnett. So it's really complex. And just know that how you start especially from a commercial perspective, might not be how you end up. And I, I didn't say that so that people leave with a negative opinion of any of the names I mentioned. That's not the aim of it. The aim is just to say to you guys, it's really, really complex because everyone's trying to do what's best for themselves and what's best for the other person. And sometimes it just doesn't line up. And that doesn't make anyone a good or a bad person. You shake hands, you move on, and maybe you do business further down the line. Well done, Ryan. Cheers for that. I think that's fair. <laughs> um, I, think, no, I think that's a brilliant answer. I think um, there isn't a right or a wrong answer to who you would go with. 
I think it matters entirely upon the personality and the opportunities. Ryan Young is banned from asking questions because he's just taken up <laughs> half an hour of one question. So if you're going to answer, be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Terry, get your any other business out of the way. Been? How long because I knew that question was coming. Two hours. Oh, that's all right. I think to let the fans enjoy that. We, we, I think we they tend to like more like sort of three hours, don't they, Terry? So Wait, do, you, do you want to go again? <laughs> They've had, they've had a free hour out of us this week already. Uh-huh. Buddy McGurk, which yeah, was Buddy phenomenal. McGurk. Yes. So thank you to Rachel Charles, first of all, before we go any further. Thank you to Rachel Charles at uh, Pitch Inc. for sorting out over in America. Sheer Sports. Sheer Sports uh, promotions. Get behind them. And doing a lot on the West she's Coast. She's got a few lads that she looks after as well, which I think we'll probably do some little interviews with over time. They've got fights come up in June. Aaron McKenna is one. I can't remember the name of the other one. I think it's Are another. they brothers? Yeah, yeah, there's the other McKenna. Yeah. I can't remember what his name is. One's Aaron. I was going to say Tyrone, but it's not, is it? Uh, no, that's, no, that's the Irish lad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to do some other interviews, I think, over time with them. But the Buddy McGirt one was just a privilege to speak to a man who has forgotten more than I'll ever know about the sport. Has been a world champion, a unified world champion, trained world champions. Two weight classes. Is training Sergei Kovalev now. To face God. Imagine s- that. You didn't say that to him on the interview, Terry. <laughs> Slipped my mind. <laughs> so but, but it was interesting, though, because didn't someone say to you something about... They were, they were really ripping into Buddy McGirt and what he said about strength and conditioning and not watching fight tapes. And Yeah, there was somebody on Twitter who'd queried about, you know, it seemed like he got his head in the sand, I think was the word, so, so to do those things. So the truth is... I don't think he was saying you don't do those things. I think what he was saying was doing them outside of the camp or outside of the the trainer's direction, I should say, he doesn't agree with. So he said he did physical conditioning for his fighters before. So it's not like he's against S&C. What he's saying is these, these protein bar merchants who come in with spreadsheets and try and tell you, oh, you're doing it all wrong. And normally they don't even come from a boxing background. I'm, I, even I'm wary of those guys because I've had SNC guys come in and go, this is what your fighters should be doing. Or fighters will send me videos and go, what do you think of these exercises? And I'm like, mate, boxing's a really simple sport. Like, why are you, why are you carrying kettlebells and dragging a sled? You're not a power lifter. You're a boxer. You need enough to keep you explosive and you need enough to maximize your innate strength. Yeah? It's all about nervous system stimulation. I don't need you to get massive <clears> and bulky. So I understand where he's coming from in that sense. You know, there's a whole industry around strength and conditioning and 80% of it's bullshit. And whoever did tweet, I am happy to have that debate head to head and I'll expose to you because I've tried most of these things and they're, they're beneficial on a human level in terms of, yeah, 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 if you do that exercise, you'll be in better shape. But if you're being boxing specific, then no. Nothing beats a bit of calisthenics, sparring, bag work. Nothing will give you more bang for your boxing buck, in my opinion. And as for watching fights, that I was a bit sketchy about because even Eddie Futch watched fights and that's how he realized that when Ali throws the uppercut, he drops his arm to swing it up and every time he did that, Frazier just left hooked him. And that's how he, he dominated in that first look, fight. Who are you and I to tell you know, a Hall of Fame boxer and then... No. Like, it's, it goes back to horses for courses, doesn't it? At the end of the day, it's yeah. whatever's working for him and whatever's yeah. worked for if him. If he's getting but, results, 
his shit is correct. But yeah, like that is a podcast that's an hour long. There's just Terry and I chatting boxing with a guy who's going into the Hall of Fame next month. And the reason you want to listen to it is he gives you that kind of other side because I think it's very easy. And, you know, some of these other publications are more than happy to give you interviews by numbers. So you just tick off those surface bits and you go, right, we've done it. He goes into depth about stuff that if you then go and research it, gives you this whole flavor around boxing and just it will feed your curiosity. And that's how I felt about that interview. You will want to know more. You'll want to know about the felt forum and stuff like that. You'll want to go and watch Floyd Sr. doing his thing. You'll want to watch Buddy McGirt versus Howard Davis where he ices him. You'll want to watch Buddy McGirt versus Meldrick Taylor. Imagine that you fight Howard Davis Jr., Defending your, I think he was defending his title for the second time. Five and a half weeks later, he fights Meldrick Taylor to defend it. Now, Meldrick wow. Taylor won a gold medal in the 84 Olympics at 17. So was a real child prodigy in terms of boxing. And Meldrick won. And then Meldrick, we know, was robbed against, was it Julio Cesar Chavez? So there's a load of stuff that Buddy McGirt, they were talking about this guy and the way they talk about guys like Linares and Lomachenko. He was in that pound for pound list. Who was somewhere near the top. So definitely go and listen to that. Like, don't, don't scrimp on it. Don't cut corners. Don't be like, I don't need to listen to it. it. Go and listen to it. Enjoy it. Feedback your comments. Because, you know, if you guys love that, we'll try and do more of that. What I liked, well, I just liked, as I was just listening to it, then trying to remember what it was I really liked was like, the, <laughs> the day that I had my fight as a cigar. <laughs> When they, I love the idea of like when when we're talking about someone's had his days about like hand him his cigar. That that is a perfect shorthand for get him out of it. Yeah. Has anyone ever handed it back? He's like, no, but one of them did buy their own. <laughs> <laughs> so mate, 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 just there smoking. Like, you, you know why I'm here. <laughs> but you see, we, we used to have that at Fitzroy Lodge. Like you'd show up, right? And you'd have your kit and you'd train your nuts off. And you'd finish up and you'd be there talking to Mick Carney. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, Mick would be how'd you find it? Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. And as you get ready to go, Mick would be by your side. He'd have his arm on your shoulder. Like, you know, that <laughs> really loving way. And, and you'd be, you're buzzing. Like, yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Mick would be like, right at the door, he's like, man, I don't think boxing is for you. Like, I, I just, <sighs> I, I, don't, I don't think it's safe for you to come back here. And then the guy just leave. And that's it. Oh, and that's mate, the end. Mate, so you dreaded getting the hand on your shoulder. Like when you had the hand on your shoulder, like I remember training once and Mick just had his hand on my I was like, Mick, what have I done? And then I was like, no, 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 Mick, 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 give me 10 minutes. And then you're just training your nuts off for 10 minutes. <laughs> but no, it is, like, I'm not saying it because of Terry and I, although Terry did come into it prepared in a way that you know I would never be able to prepare be honest, so right? there's no way I could have said what I said a few weeks ago about not being prepared for interviews and then showing up cold yeah, yeah. no look, I mean Terry's level of preparation is beyond my comprehension um and that makes it a very good interview and I'm not saying that's because of me it's because of Terry and it's because of basically what Buddy says during it and I mate you made it happen don't don't do yourself down you oh made cheers it I'm the admin boy no, no. Well, it's not really admin. It's, it's that's opportunity creation. That's rainmaking. <laughs> it was Rachel that made it happen. I'm just I'm the middleman. Nah, we love Rachel now. She's one of us. Okay, is there anything else to cover? Can she get us a live show in LA? Let's see why not. Yeah, yeah. Rachel's it's husband. It's not locations that are difficult for us. Do we can do a live show anywhere? It's just no one's going to turn up. Rachel's husband, God bless him, not with us anymore. Was the drummer for Neil Diamond? I think it okay. was. Okay. 
Um, so she says, whenever she watches boxing and hears like Sweet Caroline, brings back those memories of uh, of being on tour with Neil Diamond. And she, but she's fascinating story in her own right. She's phenomenal, broomy lady. Worked her what broomy, broomy. (laughs) Worked her female bollocks off within the sport to get where she is. Working with some phenomenal names. So shout out to Rachel Charles. Yeah, I want to get on because I want some James Tony stories. Yeah, they're they're like I'd give anything for James. I imagine they they might be the best stories in boxing. Well, let's interview Rachel. She's uh, she's yeah. a character. Any other business? I'm done. I'm frazzled. I'm just going to touch on something. So a few <laughs> weeks ago, I took uh, you know a few weeks ago I was in full full pest control mode and I had to I had oh, to eliminate God. some vermin. <sighs> but is there any way that you can like just skirt around that? You've paid. You've you've talked about it. Can we? No, no. I just want to touch on it. So oh, so so you know, I, I I dealt with some vermin and it lasted about three days in tops. Like the infestation after that it was clean, but lost a few people as a result of that. I don't want to like give obituaries, but there are a lot of people who took sides in that situation. You know, you know. <sighs> giving people opportunities, telling me that I should be more forgiving and stuff. There are a lot of people who claimed to have my back and didn't. And it was a shame. But it's a lesson for you guys, man. Like You all think it's cool on Twitter and you think it's cool when you get to shows and whatever, that you guys are all pals and shit. Just know when the pressure comes on, there are rats everywhere. And it is your job, just like I did, it is your job to name them and eradicate them from the sport because they're the guys that are fucking this shit up these little rodents and I'm happy to say that phone me see me whatever I'll say it because these people are rodents they perpetrate these myths online and whatever about who they really are and when the pressure came on they revealed who they were and I was like okay may God bless you may God be with you you know but nah (sighs) one last thing actually I just want to shout out a guy called Wayne Smith. And no one will know who Wayne Smith is, but Wayne Smith is... You've mentioned Wayne before. Yeah. Coach at St. Mary's. And he's got the Olympic CIC where he does a lot of community work involving boxing. And this guy is producing some really good fucking fighters right now. Like, And you're not going to see him this year. And you're not going to see them two years from now. But three or four years from now, like when they talk about kids coming out of St. Mary's, man, he's going to be at the heart of it. And like, you've got to just, like, you know, it's easy for us to talk about boxers now when you go, you know, where did you just, there's guys like Wayne Smith, guys like Charlie and Billy Rumble, who are churning these talented kids out, grafting, like, you know, look, if anyone follows Billy or Charlie Rumble on social media, they're never home. They're always taking kids to shows, schoolboys, seniors, white collar, doesn't matter. Darren Wiseman's a good man for that. Down south. Where is he? Portsmouth. Yes. Yeah. You see, those sorts of guys are the guys who are creating Qu- Quinton Schillingford, all these sorts of guys. So when you see them at shows, and I see a lot of guys will walk past these guys at shows, man, just nod your head and go, yeah, how are you doing? Because you might get the inside scoop if you're one of these I mean, camera jockeys. You might get an inside scoop. You know what I mean? Put your work in. Right. Yeah. Finally, the yeah. steam... Has yeah. finally run he, out. He can eat in 20 minutes. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. 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 That is enough from us this week. Uh, anything else to say, Martin? No. Thank you for listening as always. Appreciate yeah, it. No, we, we do appreciate it. it as well. We'd, we'd record this if two people listened. We record it with the, the 
you know, a few couple of thousand that do listen. Tell your mates, share it, enjoy it. Listen, I just don't think it gets better than this, man. I don't like. I don't like. There might be some Porky's Corner episodes you guys need to get your teeth around. Yeah, but as a podcast, what? What? I'm just like, who's who's doing it like we are? Who? Send them here, head to head. They'll get <laughs> wilded one round. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Take care. Cheers. Oh, I won't be here in two weeks. I'm going to go to Madrid for the uh, Champions League. Yeah, for well, the joke. So... Just for the basic. Who even is fucking. Go for the bullfighting. You get more entertainment. Hey. Nah. I'll tell you how it was. Your nah, Cup final. No one would care. Won't well, that point, your team would have played in the, uh, the second tier of that, wouldn't they? You're playing the Sunday and, League final. And your team is where exactly? I've changed my team. During, <laughs> during, during the course of this. I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan now. And uh, I'll be he's, a, he's whatever mate, t-shirt mate, that mate, is. Wait, 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 wait. You can't be a Liverpool fan. No, no, well, not. maybe you can after what you call Bellew. They might love you. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> 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 uh, right. I'm going. Bye bye. Bye. I'm gonna get it up, I'm gonna get it up, I'm gonna get it up.